Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your AEW Double or Nothing post show for May 29th, 2023. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden for the first time this weekend. Thank you guys very much for joining me on your now, early Sunday, or actually, no, it is Sunday. I don't even know what fucking day it is. Monday morning, Jesse. It's Monday morning, Jesse, on the East Coast here. It's unbelievable. Still, what's what's still, going on, brother? Still Sunday for me, bro. I know. Lucky you. I got a half hour left in my Sunday, man. Lucky you. What's going on, man? What a show, right? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, I mean, the, the last two matches, yes. I mean, but uh, a lot of people were complaining that this was uh, the weakest AEW pay-per-view that they have seen. Uh, and, and I know you and I have not held anything back when it comes to uh, the criticism of Tony Khan and AEW, uh, which probably has landed me in some hot water, more than likely, uh, with some uh, powerful people there. But, I mean, it is what it is. I'd rather just be myself. I'd rather you be yourself than be something that we're not, Jesse. Tonight was... Uh, a rough night for AEW up until 
about the Pillars four-way, I would say. It felt like it felt like the show was off. I, I don't know, man. The the stigma, the aura, the excitement of what Double or Nothing Weekend uh symbolizes for the company, it's its signature pay-per-view. It felt like the excitement wasn't there this weekend, tonight. And I know you and I talked about that this past Wednesday on the Dynamite Post Show. Maybe it's Vegas. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that the card was kind of weak. Or maybe the card came together a little too late. The storylines were kind of lacking coming into it. Tony Khan has a lot on his plate. He's getting ready for collision. He's getting ready for Forbidden Door. We got a whole bunch of shit coming up for AEW. I'm not here to make excuses. I don't want you to make excuses, but... It felt like a weak show up until about the last two matches. But at the end of the night, Jesse, I thought it was a thumbs-up show just based on the last two matches and the caliber of match that they were. So at the end of the show, no matter what people want to say about it being the weakest show, it absolutely still delivered in pay-per-view form for AEW. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. I, I know you did, bro. I, listen, I had, a, I had a blast as well. I know you did. So did I. So, I mean... To social media or anyone else telling me it was a bad show or one of the worst shows or not that great of a show, I'm not trying to hear it. I mean, I paid for a pay-per-view, and when I turned the TV off, I was entertained. Um, Was it a perfect show? No. No. I dare you to find me a perfect show. But it was not a, God, I paid for this. Yeah. The show show was great. Yeah. for me yeah I had no problem i mean overall i had no problems with it i will pick apart the couple of things i did not like but all in all i thought it was a damn good show did you did you feel like you wasted 50 dollars? absolutely not did i waste like i fa- uh, i wasted oh did i feel like i wasted wasted 50 dollars? no absolutely not I, absolutely. I i i i felt like my money was put to good use tonight and sure. that's what's important that's what's important man if you pay this much money for a show you need to feel like that at the very least, the people that charged you this money for the show gave you a show worthy of $50. Yes. And anyone looking at that show and then tells me that the people that, that what those people did tonight was not worth $50. I'm not trying to hear it. I agree. It was a, it was a fantastic show. They put it all out there. They, they, they were innovative. They were, they had, they had, over the top entrances, they had fantastic matches. I'm I'm not complaining about the show as a whole. So no, I, I thought it was a damn good show. It was it was a good show. It was a good show. The energy was lacking. Um, the crowd was obviously an issue. The crowd in Vegas was not as hot uh, for the first I would say two and a half hours to three hours of the show. Uh, they there were some spots here and there where they did come alive, and at the end of the night. You know, it's what really mattered in the ring, Jesse. The wrestling tonight, I thought, was really, really good for AEW. I thought most of the matches in-ring-wise were quality matches for AEW. Now, I'm not really talking about, you know, the stories. You know, you and I have picked apart the stories coming into this show, but the wrestling at the end of the night is what I want to grade this on. And everybody tonight, and I mean top to bottom, delivered in the ring tonight. I agree. I think they. I think they all did. I think it was a. I really don't know where the where, where the sentiment of it was the bad show was coming from. I really I, do not. I mean, 
it's my it's my it's my opinion. Jesse and I have differing opinions. I, it was not a bad show. I did not hate the show. What was it? Was is it something that's going to stand the test of time next to some of their all time great shows? Probably not. I probably won't go back and watch the entirety of this show again, like I have the other ones. But at the end of the night, you know, it is very difficult to say that it was a bad show. It was not a bad show. If you said it was a bad show, you clearly didn't watch the show and you watched some other wrestling show that was on tonight and you're just looking to pick uh, a fight with somebody on social media. Uh, I thought what AEW did tonight was was very good, though the excitement around it and the stories coming into it did not hit like we know AEW is capable of. And they have a lot of shit coming up. So I'm hoping that they do turn the page and we get some of that excitement back. We got Collision on June 17th. We got Forbidden Door at the end of the month on June 26th. We got... The Wembley show coming up in August. We have Grand Slam coming up. We got All In. There's a ton of shit that Tony Khan is lining up, and he's got to make sure all of his ducks are in a row. So if he forgets to do something for a double or nothing, and he skimps on a double or nothing, and he doesn't go into it fully like he usually does, it's okay. Because I know that there is a ton of shit coming up, and I don't want to use that as the primary excuse, but... You know, this is Tony Khan and everything on his plate is basically what he's going to take care of. It's something that I look at and I don't have a problem with. Like you said, Jesse, not every show needs to be a fucking grand slam. And like you said perfectly, my money was well spent tonight. I have no reservations about spending $50 tonight. Normally, normally I would come on here and say I, I, I didn't get my money's worth. I got my money's worth tonight for sure. Exactly. And that's what's important here. So we're going to go over all the show. I'm not going to listen. It's late. I know you guys are here for opinions and you're here for wrestling discussion this late. I appreciate you being here. We're not going to break this thing down like fucking mad scientists. We're going to go over the ups and downs of the show. We're going to go over some of the top moments in this show and what happened in these matches. But I think the biggest thing that happened tonight, honestly, was the anarchy in the arena. And the turn of Konosuke Takeshita. I think everybody's seen this coming, Jesse. You and I predicted this for weeks. And he's now officially in the Blackpool Combat Club as he turned his back on the good guys. And he's now a bad guy. He's a heel. And he is still aligned with the hidden hand and Don Callis. What did you make of the heel turn? Did you expect more? And I know that everybody's expecting Kota Ibushi and some other equalizer for the elites, which we'll probably get somewhere down the line. But were you pleased with the way they handled the heel turn of Konosuke Takeshita? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, I think the the illusion and or the possibility of who that was coming out, maybe it was Punk. Who knows? But then the reveal of it being uh, Takeshita, fantastic it was a part of the story it was a part of the build i was sitting there at at home watching the show saying where's don Callis and kanosuke and i was like oh shit don's on commentary and i was still wondering about kanosuke but it was like okay whatever and then when the guy came out later i was like is it him is it punk are they bringing punk back early what are they doing and it was him i thought it was a nice surprise at the end it could have been either one that would have popped the crowd I think this changes the dynamic going forward for all of their major storylines. We get to now find out where Don and Konosuke, uh, where they lie as it pertains to the BCC. 
Um, I I liked it, man. I did. I liked. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was overly predictable about uh, him turning heel, but yeah. I, I thought it was. I thought it was very well executed. And I mean, I'm looking forward to some Takeshita and Kenny Omega matches, man. I mean, take my fucking money. Holy shit. Uh, obviously, this lines up the Blackpool Combat Club with five and the Elite with four. I think everybody kind of predicting Kota Ibushi and the return or the re- reunion of the Golden Lovers uh, with Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega and him joining the fray here with the Elite as we now build towards blood and guts. I think that's what's probably being constructed here. Uh, that's going to be tremendous. This feud is far from over, uh, seeing what we saw tonight. And, man, that would have been fucking unbelievable if that was CM Punk in the mask. Uh, I mean, I didn't really I didn't really expect Punk tonight. Uh, no. I predicted Punk possibly at the end of the MJF match, but Tony Khan did something tonight that was a little, a little different, bro. It may have been the first time, maybe. I'm not sure. Some of you uh, AEW elitists or historians out there, uh, the first time AEW did not main event a pay-per-view with the world championship. Might have been the first or second time this happened, but I was actually surprised that they ended with the anarchy in the arena and didn't go with the fatal four-way uh, because that is unlike AEW to do that. I, I know the story was better than what we got with the Pillars, but the world championship, seeing the ending that we got with Takeshita, uh, I kind of feel like the main event should have been the fatal four-way. Yeah, I, I mean... There was a lot going on. That would have been a that would have been a tough match to follow. Yeah. For for the pillars. And that just would not have been fair to them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so for the circumstances given, I get it. I understand it. Plus all of the carnage and the damage and everything else they're gonna, they're gonna be doing to the ringside area and everything else. It makes sense. It makes sense. So um, ideally, yeah, you want the world title to go on less. Um, but for this one, you know, I kind of understand it. So, I, I mean, I, that was the first thing I thought when it came yeah. on, like, Oh, what are we doing here? What the yeah. fuck? And then as I'm thinking about it, okay. With everything they're going to be, they're going to have going on in that match. And then the possible, um, cliffhanging conclusion. That's probably why it's going on. Last. Yeah. That's probably, that's definitely the reason why they, uh, they closed with the anarchy in the arena for a lot of people who were uh, asking that same question. You know, I'm i uh, I'm an old school guy. I like the world championship, especially in this this case with MJF going on last, but that was completely the reason why they went on with the anarchy. I have no problem with it, but that was just something that kind of uh, stood out to me tonight. Um, as far as the match itself, Jesse, the anarchy in the arena, h- how do you line this up with the first one that we saw with the JAS and the Blackpool Combat Club? I honestly thought that I honestly thought that this one was about equal, man. I can't. I, I would have to watch both of them back again. Yeah, I have to, to go back and watch the old. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to go back and watch the uh, both of them side by side to see which one was better. But uh, I, I thought they were both equally enjoyable. But the story, obviously, here with the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite is far superior than what we got with the JAS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, if if you know they're gonna make us pick which one was better, I don't know. Like you said, we got to go back and dissect it and find out. But nonetheless, the last one was entertaining, and so was this one. Yeah. So. The pillars four way. I thought that this was easily the match of the night, wrestling match-wise, not uh, a fucking Pier 6 bar brawl uh, with the anarchy in the arena. I thought this was the the match of the evening, and you and I knew this was going to happen, Jesse. A lot of people were kind of clowning on Jungle Boy for his lack of promo ability and Sammy and Darby and Jungle Boy for their lack of size, and some people did not like the story, 
of the four pillars coming into this thing. But you and I talked about this on Wednesday, man. They they, sh- they were going to shut a lot of people up. And my God, did they shut a lot of people up, man. I would go out there to say it would be incredibly difficult for you guys to find a better fatal forward than what those four guys did tonight. That match was absolutely incredible. And it continues the streak of not only MJF matches, but Jungle Boy on pay-per-view, Darby on pay-per-view, Sammy on pay-per-view. These guys are Mr. AEW pay-per-view, all four of them. But a string of unbelievable AEW World Championship matches, bro. This was an incredible match from all four. And Sammy Guevara and Tay announced that they were pregnant. So that was announced before the match. And shout out to Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti. And Sammy, you could t- you could tell, bro, he was so happy about that announcement, and he took all that fucking pride into the ring with him tonight. He did phenomenal tonight. All four of them did, man. Super proud of all four. Incredible match. Yeah, that's great, man. Shout out to them. I'm happy for them. I thought it might have been something up. Either she was injured or pregnant because she hasn't been, you know, in the ring in a while. But that that's that's fantastic news, man. That's really good to hear. Um, but yeah, I. You know, and, and maybe this is why they were turning him babyface. Because, I mean, the slow babyface turn was so evident. I mean, tonight was just the final straw. He's definitely babyface now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they solidified his babyface turn. I don't know how you're going to boot uh, Sammy Guevara now, you know. But yeah. um, what those four guys did was incredible. Unbelievable ending as well. MJF is uh, one slick motherfucker, man. We'll, we'll talk about how he uh, he snuck a victory in that match and retained the AEW World Championship, which he will be holding for a very, very long time. Uh, He exclaimed that uh, Tony Khan uh, needs to give him better competition because there is nobody. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he does, if he does anything at Forbidden Door, and what he's going to be doing going into Wembley. And the downer of the evening, Jesse, from what I've heard from a few people that I was discussing this show with tonight... Uh, Adam Cole and Chris Jericho, hard-fought match, but I honestly think that this might have been the disappointment of the evening. I expected a lot more from this match. It seemed like it was good for the most part, but something there didn't click. I thought it was a nice brawl, but the crowd ultimately brought the entire vibe of the match down. I don't know why. Maybe they weren't invested in the storyline. Maybe they didn't believe Adam Cole and Chris Jericho's story. I thought that was the biggest disappointment of the entire night. Yeah, the... the... I, w- I didn't find the match disappointing, man. Um, but, yeah, the crowd was definitely not feeling it, and they were not into it. So um, I get it. I guess the, you know, like, oh, the, the crowd's boring. And I mean, it, look, see, you got to dissect it this way. What are we going to get from uh, Adam Cole and a Chris Jericho match? Chris Jericho cannot keep up with Adam Cole's pace. So Adam Cole has to slow down with Chris Jericho's pace. This is not a knock on Chris Jericho. This is just straight fucking facts, dude. I mean, Jericho is not the same Jericho 20, 30 years ago. You know, Adam Cole is is, is moving and working at a much faster, quicker pace than Jericho is these days. So we look at Adam Cole slowing himself down, um, but it wasn't a wrestling match. You know, it was an unsanctioned match. So I think that's why they did it that way. Um, Was it the best one? No, man. But I mean, again... I think the bar is set too fucking high, man. When you get people going out there trying to say, oh, this Omos match wasn't too bad. Omos wasn't too bad this time. I heard people saying that shit about his last match. But now I'm looking at Adam Cole versus Jericho. People are like, oh, this, this sucks. 
Where is the bar right now? What are we doing here? I don't know. I mean, the bar is very low. Everybody is just very, uh, a lot of people expect greatness. And honestly, Adam Cole, this is his first major feud back after an injury that kept him out for nine months. If he's not wrestling the same, how long did it take Seth Rollins to fucking get back to Seth Rollins' form after he fucking blew his ACL out? Give the guy a fucking break. Cut these guys a break, right? You know? Come on. If they go out there and stink to join up, trust me, dude, I'll be one of the first ones out there to fucking call it out. No, it was not a bad match at all. I mean, to me, me, the crowd absolutely fucking put a damper on what the match could have been because, you know, they were quiet. They didn't really do much of anything. They didn't make any noise for Jericho and Adam Cole, but honestly, I thought the, the fundamentals of the match were really good. I thought it was I thought it was fine for what it was. It was an unsanctioned match, you know, no who's no who's barred, all this other shit. They had all of the shenanigans in it. You can tell that they needed help with the match when they have as many of the shenanigans that they have going on. I mean, look, dude, Adam, like you said, Adam Cole's recovering. Chris Jericho is not moving at the pace of Adam Cole anymore. They kept the match entertaining, and they gave us the one-on-one stuff. I, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. I really did not. We're going to go over the rest of the show, guys, including the shock of Chris Statlander returning and ending Jade Cargill's 60-0 and record, which I know Jesse and I are ecstatic about. Seen a couple of people already claiming I was a hypocrite that I had to get rid of on social media because Chris Statlander came back and won a match against Jay Cargill, and they were calling me a hypocrite, Jesse, because I complained when Charlotte Flair did it, but didn't complain when Chris Statlander did it. Oh, I was thinking the same thing. Oh, they're probably going to give you hell for it. Clearly, 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 Jesse, they didn't watch the show tonight and listen to the words that came out of Mark Sterling's mouth. Yeah, I I, I, I know. I get get what they're saying, but we don't get this kind of treatment um, for Chris Statlander all the time. You know, Charlotte Flair being handed, being handed title shots and shit like that, it's just common knowledge and people are getting sick of it. It happened once, and I still expect us to get a legit Chris Statlander and Jay Cargill match. But, I mean, I'm just so happy to see Chris Statlander back. I didn't mind it. I mean, I don't care. As, lo- as long as we get a legitimate match with Jay Cargill for that title, I don't care. I don't care either because it looks like some of the foundation of the AW women's division is changing quickly. We got two new women's champions tonight. Um, I don't know what's happening with Jade. She may be taking some time off. Tony Storm beat Jamie Hayter for the women's championship. Jamie Hayter is legitimately hurt. I don't know how long or what the severity of that injury is, but I know several outlets were reporting her being injured, and that's why the title change happened tonight. But we will talk about all that stuff, and we will get into the show in just a second. But I want to thank you guys for joining us on this early, early Monday morning, guys. 2,200 people in here. I appreciate you. I know there was an NXT show tonight that a lot of people were watching as well. And I will catch up on that when I have some time on my Monday. Uh, Yeah, apparently Dijak and Ilya Dragunov had a fucking five-star classic. Oh, okay, cool. So I uh, I will go back and watch that, but... Everybody asking me why I don't review NXT. The weekly show sucks. The fuck do you want me to do? Sorry. So, thank you guys for joining us on this Monday morning. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. At JD from NY206 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. 
Make sure you guys go check out all the content on the channel. I was live for the Night of Champions last night or yesterday afternoon. You guys blew that review out of the water. We're looking at 44,000 views already in a little bit more than 24 hours. It's nearing 2,700 likes. Thank you guys very much for all that. Jesse, I know you covered the Impact show on Friday, Under Siege. You did that on Saturday. I did. I did. I covered it Saturday before Night of Champions. Um, go check out the channel if you have not seen it yet. Um, I thought it was a pretty decent show. You know, I'm, I'm starting to appreciate um, watching. And this is, not a, this is not a knock on Impact. But... As I'm watching Impact and everything else throughout the week, watching AEW and the pay-per-view kind of reminds me of how far along AEW has come since they started four years ago. You know, it really, really does. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of like one of those when you just kind of refresh your palate type deal because Impact does feel like a high-end indie show, but AEW is coming off like a real big league show to me now since I'm focusing on something that doesn't have so much production in it. But the wrestling itself and all that involved was a pretty decent show, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Impact is doing their thing, man. You know, uh, I think it was a smart yeah. move for you to go uh, watch and cover Impact, man, because Ring of Honor right now in the fucking mud. That shit sucks. It is. It is. And with Trinity going, it is getting a lot of buzz. I know, you know, we crack jokes in this channel about it. But for me, um, my 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 wrestling fanhood was kind of in a, in a rut between WWE and AEW. But um, I think picking up impact for me has kind of like it's, it's kind of rejuvenated that that just pure wrestling fan feel. It's kind of hard to explain, but it makes sense, man. I'm enjoying it right now. Good. You need to enjoy it, man. You need to enjoy it to uh, do what we do here. You know. Yeah. Trinity also helped as well. I mean, uh, I'm happy for her. She's uh, she's doing her thing. I've been watching. I've been watching Trinity. So good for her. She's doing good. Um, she's getting reactions, man. She's working well in the ring. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with her as far as her rise. I know, I know they plan on putting in the ring with um, Perazzo. Um, I just kind of want to see how they get there. Yeah. Also, not sure where Jordan Grace is going because she did opt to leave the company, I believe. She's now a free, con- free. She's now a free agent. Yeah, I know. I know. Her, I know she was a free agent. I know she was up, but I think she has decided to actually leave and not resign at the same time too. It's going to be interesting to see where she goes, man. She may end up here. AEW. She may end up, she may end up here, man. I don't know. To be yeah. honest, I think I think she best served in WWE. Yeah, her, I don't know. Uh, her look and her style. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but, yes, go check out Jesse on his channel. On uh, YouTube, Chi-Town Smart. He covers Impact on Thursdays with a live review every week. So make sure you guys go do that. And go check out all the stuff on my channel here. And then, obviously, I'll be live for Monday Night Raw on Monday, Memorial Day. And we'll go over the fallout from the Night of Champions. If I sound under the weather, it's because I am. I'm not feeling all that great. And I am very congested, tired, and I have a bad head cold. So, if you guys are uh, wondering why I sound like shit, it's because I feel like shit. So, here we go. I did not watch the pre-show, Jesse, so you might have to help me on this because I was uh, actually catching up on my sleep because I am ill. But I did see clips online of Jeff Hardy falling off the top rope and nearly killing himself 
And I saw the Hardys with Hook beat the Guns and Ethan Page in the open of the AEW Double or Nothing buy-in. Did you happen to catch this match at all tonight? I did not. I was cooking dinner, man. There you go. I, I was listening to it in the, from afar, but I did not really watch the match, no. I mean, and why would we? Because it means nothing. It, means it really nothing. means nothing in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I'm glad Jeff is back with Matt. I'm glad Matt has Jeff back. I don't know what they're going to do with the Hardys on AEW television. And oh my goodness, man, we have an absolutely monster, and I mean... We have a monster bomb from I'm Already Dead with a $300 super chat. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for being here. AEW was so much fun tonight. A roller coaster of emotions from start to finish. Shout out to all the OTS family. Unbelievable. He didn't mention me, did he? He did not mention you, no. I don't have to. Man, come on, man. Thank you. Already dead. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for being here for uh, the live stream so late into the evening on this Monday Memorial Day weekend. The Owen Hart Cup, Jesse. We got the opening ceremonies with Renee Paquette welcoming Dr. Martha Hart to the stage where both trophies and titles for the Owen Hart Cup are set. Renee talked about the tournament kicking off at Forbidden Door. As Martha said, it's great to be back in Vegas and with AEW. Tony Khan walked out. I don't know what the fuck he was wearing. He was wearing a fedora with the Owen Hart Foundation logo on it. As Martha talks about the schedule of the Owen Hart Cup, and it's going to be wrapping up at the Calgary Stampede. I'm assuming that's going to be on collision for AEW. So I'm glad the Owen Hart Cup is back. I thought last year's was very good. Hopefully they make it a little bit more prestigious this year and make it less predictable, to be honest with you, because Adam Cole and Britt Baker winning the tournament last year, I'm like, all right, I see what you did there, TK. Let's let's get this tournament to be a little bit more tournament-like. Let's get these matches to be a little bit more important. And I love to see somebody who is not Adam Cole and Britt Baker and a couple, a real-life couple, win the thing. I'm excited that it's back. I am, too. Um, I can't wait to see if they make any major changes, what they plan on doing with it. But it's good to see Dr. Hart, you know, Glad she's uh, still hanging around with AEW and everything else, and I can't wait to see what they do with that tournament. Who would you have win, bro, off the top of your head? If you can choose anyone to win the Owen Hart Cup this year, who would you have so, win? So I, I, I think it depends on what they plan on doing with the winners of this tournament this yes. time. If it's just a nothing thing that just happens and is forgotten about in a week, then... I'm going to guess we give it to the uh, maybe the best up-and-coming in-ring worker. I mean, if I'm looking around the the roster right now, maybe a Danny Garcia, something like that. Someone like a someone like a newer age, uh, someone that could be considered like a newer age version of Owen Hart. Someone who's like underappreciated but extremely good in the ring. I would think like a Danny Garcia. I don't even know who I would choose. I mean, I want to go with, like, one of the best wrestlers on the roster. You know, maybe 
someone like an Andrade if he's going to be returning or yeah, someone like a Buddy Matthews or someone like that, someone who's really just a great in-ring performer like Owen was. You know, I, you know, for the sentimental thing, I'd love to see Brian Pillman Jr. win the fucking thing, to be honest with you. Use the tournament to put somebody over big time. And what a, what a fucking occasion that would be for him, right? Because his father was in the Hart Foundation with Brett and Owen. That'd be awesome, except it would feel very forced because yes. they haven't done diddly with him. I know. If he was out there, like, in the weeds, you know, getting wins or losses here and there, struggling, trying to, you know, get his way through and find his way, and then he comes up big in the tournament, great. But now we've heard nothing from him. Tournament's here. Let's throw him in and watch him start winning. It, it, you haven't done anything with him before this. He wants to get behind him now all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. Jay White? I, 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 Jay White's in, uh, he's a good candidate. Jay White is. Because I'm already hearing the rumblings. Oh, Jay White is being buried by AEW. He hasn't done anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ignore that stuff. Uh, ridiculous. Because if they pushed him to the moon right now, I'd be pissed. Because, uh, again... Where does he go from there? Save it. Save it. He's, he in the from he's in the battle royal because I've seen a lot of people still complaining about it. And some fucking schmuck from Fightful that I quote tweeted blocked me because I reiterated what Jesse and I said on Wednesday about Jay White. They blocked me. Nothing derogatory. I didn't say anything bad about them. They blocked me on Twitter because people are impatient. Jay White has been here for two months, less than two months. The fuck do you want him to do? Exactly, though. I mean, again, these are just people who are just looking for something. Looking for something. If they couldn't complain about Jay White, they find something else to complain about. So I'm not going to get involved in that bullshit. I would not throw Jay White straight to the top. I would do something with him and build him up. And then when it's ready, when it's time, and you put him in that spot, it's going to become an uh-oh moment type deal. You're like, oh, here we go. Yep. Holy shit. Here we go. And you have somewhere to go from there. Where you're gonna put him at the top right now and do what? Because MGF is not losing the title anytime soon. No. So is he gonna be in a trios team or a tag? I mean, what are we be patient? Jay White is fucking fantastic, and no one knows that better than AEW. He would not be treated better in WWE. They take him in, they book him to the top to start, and then he'll be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal by WrestleMania. Or he'd be feuding with the Miz. Easily. Miz and Corbin, gatekeepers. Yep. Just like everybody else. Yep. We'll get to Jay White. He was in this battle royal that opened the show. The Orange Cassidy Blackjack Battle Royal for the international title. Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, Bandito, Ari Davari, Tony Nese, Lee Moriarty, Big Bill, Commander, The Butcher, The Blade, Kip Sabian, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Dustin Rhodes, Old Man Keith Lee, Ricky Starks, Penta, Ray, Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers, Swerve, Brian Cage, and obviously the champion, Orange Cassidy. Now, I thought this was one of the better battle royals that AEW's done, just to start off. I'm not a big fan of the battle royals. I hate battle royals. I think they're cheesy. I think they're lame. I think everybody follows the same fucking formula. Half of it's comedy, and nothing really matters until you get down to the final four. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I thought this was very good. I thought a lot of this really didn't matter up until the final four. But when we got to the end, that's when things really picked up. And I thought the closing sequence with Orange Cassidy and Swerve was tremendous. Now, on the way there, Jesse, some of this was a little rough. And I have one big glaring complaint about these fucking battle royals, which we see in AEW. We see it in WWE. All of these men, and you said it to me via text tonight, and I absolutely agree because I was thinking the same thing. The referees should not start the match officially until everybody's in the fucking ring. And when the match is started, you got geeks standing on the outside watching half of the fucking match, Jesse, transpire, and watching half of the field get eliminated, and then they decide with the referees out there. There's like two or three referees monitoring this thing, and you know what? I have a Hanford Fields uh, eliminated. I'm going to get in now and pick my spot. That is ridiculous, Jesse. I mean, if you're not going to fucking make the shit logical, then just cut the bullshit out. That was so fucking lame. I can't stand watching shit like that. Yeah, that was very bad. That was very... It was aesthetically bad. It, it made no sense um, to someone sitting at home and looking at it from a logical point of view. Like, because seriously... Why would you start the match before all of the competitors competitors entered the ring? What if everyone in the in the battle royal all just gathered around the ring and no one got in the ring at all? You're gonna ring the bell. You have to, everyone has to get in the ring. Everyone who's scheduled to be in the match when the bell rings should be in the ring. If it's a fatal four way, you wouldn't start the match with two competitors in the ring, would you? You would wait till they're all in the ring. I mean, and then they're gonna then they're gonna use it as some sort of storyline throughout the match. It was just very, very, very illogical, and it shouldn't be done that way ever again. No, no, I thought this was very lazy, and it was very cartoon like. I, I don't like seeing shit like that. A lot of this battle royal, bro. There's a lot of possibilities to come out of this battle royal. Obviously, we got Orange Cassidy and Swerve at the end. We'll get into that in a second. That's a possibility here for the international title. We got Lucha Brothers and Bullet Club Gold getting it into, into this match. Uh, we got Jay White and Juice Robinson battling the Lucha Brothers as a possibility. Obviously, Jay White and Juice Robinson still continuing their thing with Ricky Starks. I don't think that's over by a long shot. And we got the Bandito, Commander, and Lucha Brothers pairing. I don't know if that's going to be something that's going on in the near future, but they all kind of teamed up together. And kind of like AEW's own version of the LWO there, but we got all those guys doing their thing. I thought this was very good. And Orange Cassidy and his title reign continues because he did win this match. His title reign has been probably the best thing outside of MJF holding the AEW title. 
He's making that title look really good. His work has been fucking great. But we're going to fast forward to the end of this thing. Now, Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes was in this thing. He laid out Brian Cage with a crossroads swerve, made the save on Brian Cage because they are in the Mogul Affiliates. Robinson and Jay White sent Penta into Phoenix to eliminate him. Starks dumped Robinson in the process. Jay White then laid out Starks, which led to a face-off with Jay White and Penta, ending with a blade runner from Jay White on Penta. And then he ate a spear from Starks. White was eliminated by Starks, and Robinson beat the shit out of Starks on the outside, and then they double-teamed Starks two-on-one. So that is not over by a long shot. That is going to continue. So uh, we got Big Bill, Swerve, Brian Cage, Penta, Rhodes, and Orange Cassidy. These are the final guys in the ring. So Big Bill, he looked great here. He took out Starks with a big boot, and it got big boos from the crowd. Brian Cage was then dumped by Rhodes, who was then immediately uh, eliminated by Swerve with a flash kick to the outside. He fell over the ropes. The remaining four guys are in there now. Penta is in there. He's trying to chop down Big Bill. That didn't work. And then he hits another big boot, does Big Bill to eliminate Penta, just like he did Starks. Bill is doing some good shit, man. I'd love to see him get a, a singles run in AEW, but I don't know what they got planned for him. I think he looked fantastic in this battle royal. So Big Bill went to go press Orange Cassidy over the top rope, but uh, Swerve dumped him out. So Cassidy and Strickland took turns trying to dump each other until a counter DDT into a stun dog millionaire which led to Swerve no-selling into the kill shot for a double down. Prince Nana's on the outside, and he tripped up Cassidy to allow Strickland to hit the Swerve stomp. Cassidy then battled back with multiple DDTs, and Orange punched that sent Strickland to the apron. Strickland then blocked another one. This brought Cassidy to the apron. Nana tried to pull Orange Cassidy off the apron and give Swerve one more attempt at a double stomp. Cassidy got the feet up, and just lightly kicked Strickland's hand as he was holding on to the top rope, trying to prevent himself from falling over. Kicked his hand off the ropes. He fell down to the floor. Wins the match. Orange Cassidy eliminates Swerve to retain the international title. I had him, Jesse Pegg, to lose this title. And he proved me wrong. Now, I thought Miro was in this thing. I don't know why I thought Miro was in this thing when I'm like, where the fuck is Miro? I thought Miro was going to win this thing. But I know you and I have been talking about Miro potentially taking that title off of him in the near future. I don't know why I thought he was in this match. But if I had to choose somebody in this match, Jesse, Swerve is a possibility for an international championship. But at the end of it, I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm glad Orange Cassidy actually won this thing because what he's doing with the title is really some great shit. And the title, honestly, man, I feel like could use this type of rub and Orange Cassidy's work ethic is making the title feel that much more important. It is. I'm just having a hard time believing that Orange Cassidy can win all of these matches. All of these matches, including this battle royal. I mean, the guy's is missed. I mean, he's he's just Mr. Pro Wrestling all of a sudden. He can't be beaten. You know, I mean, with, I mean, talking a pretty big streak, man. I figure by him being beat up and you know, and and tired from all of this, you know, title defenses. I figured he would, you know, someone would get the advantage of him and take the title in this battle royal. Still going. I mean, so I don't know what it's going to take to stop this guy. So once he 
once he finally does lose it, I want to see how often he loses then, you know what I mean? But for some reason, he is he is John Cena-like all of a sudden, and he just can't be touched by anybody in the company all of a sudden. He's got the backing of the boss, bro. That's what happens, you know? I understand, like, it, listen, you know, you could say what you want about Orange Cassidy. You don't have to like his fucking gimmick. You don't have to like his style. But one thing remains, he's a great pro wrestler, and what he's doing with the title is great. But Jesse, is Tony Khan... I, I don't, I'm not sure he even cares, but is Tony Khan running into a situation where people are now starting to feel Orange Cassidy fatigue? Yes, I'm, I'm starting to get tired of what they're doing with Orange Cassidy. I mean, look, I think it's great that they took time to prove that he can go in the ring, especially with all the naysayers he had about his gimmick. So I think a nice little run like this was important. But at the same time, you know, it does get old. I mean, we we talk about Jade Cargill all we want about her going sixty and zero, and yeah, it did get a little a little long. But at the end of the day, Jade Cargill is a phenomenal specimen of an athlete, and clearly, like the the best female form looking pro wrestler that they have. So her going on this re, re, ridiculous streak with as a champion makes sense. But then you put Orange Cassidy in the same kind of gimmick with, and and he's beating everybody, and his gimmick is he's too lazy to wrestle. He's won a lot. I mean, I think it was important to establish that he can go when he wants to, but I think he's winning way too much at this point. Well, the problem is when you have Jay doing open challenges and not having any real story with the TBS title, you have Wardlow having open challenges with the TNT title, and not having any real story. The House of Black having open challenges for the trio's title. No real story. Orange Cassidy, Jesse, defending the fucking international title every single week, it seems like, with no real story. It is easy to develop fatigue with a champion when they're on TV every week defending their title every single week. If Orange Cassidy wrestled in trio's matches with the best friends... And didn't show up on TV for a couple weeks at a time. Only to come back and start a nice long story for that title where he doesn't have to defend it until a show like Double or Nothing. Maybe a show here and there on TV. I don't think we'd start to feel Orange Cassidy fatigue. Tony Khan even has him opening every show. He's doing a lot to push Orange Cassidy at the forefront and kind of prove a point with Orange Cassidy to the naysayers out there. And it may actually be working against him. But the fact that the title is defended every week, Jesse, is certainly not helping Tony Khan's cause here. No. The, so that run was warranted. I understand it. You know, get him out there in a string of matches and have him look good in front of, in, with um, other great performers. But it's, it's just it's, it's just gone too long. It, it's, it stayed a little bit longer than it needed to. It's gone too far at this point. That's all. Um, and it's, it, it's just the gimmick we're talking about. I don't want... You know, people to be like, oh, well, when they lose, you say to Barry, but now you say they win too much. Yeah, man, there's just a fine line for everything. What do you want me to say? I think it was important for Orange Cassidy to win a string of matches, you know, give him going for a few weeks, maybe even, a, you know, a month or two. But he can't just run through everybody. He's not fucking super. I mean, come on, man. He is not your top gimmick. On, he's beating people like Roman Reigns out here. Give, come on, slow down a little bit, bro. I would have given the title to Jay White tonight, to be quite honest with you. I would have had Jay White win the international title. 
That's just me. That would have been that would have been fine. You know, I know a lot of people want the Swerve to win that title. We could see Swerve versus Orange Cassidy in the next couple of weeks on Dynamite. I mean, I would not, I would not mind another match between those two with the work that they did at the end of this battle royal tonight. But you know, he continues to win. He is Tony Khan's guy, and I don't know who he's going to end up losing that title to. Some of you in the chat said he might lose it at Forbidden Door. Yeah, he might lose it at Forbidden Door. Maybe that's the only guy. Maybe somebody in New Japan is the only possibility for him to lose that championship. Because I can't see who in, in the company right now, in AEW, you know, it, it, Tony Khan's going to put the title on and take it off Orange Cassidy. Here's a word to the wise. To anybody that could be listening from AEW Creative, whenever the fans are talking about how your babyface champion needs to lose, that's a problem. That's a problem. They're supposed to want your babyface champion to always win. If they're tired of him winning, then you're probably overbooking him. Heels are different. Heels are different. If they want your heel to lose, then that could be just good heel heat. Heels are different. Babyfaces should not be out there with a string of wins so long that the fans that are supposed to be cheering them are going, Jesus Christ, I wish he would lose this fucking title, man. That's not good. It's overbooking your baby face. It's not good. Yeah, it's 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 certainly getting there. And uh, I think they need to limit the amount of times he does defend that title because I think defending it every single week is definitely the top thing that's causing fatigue right now. So enough of these open challenges. Let's get some real fucking story. Have someone show up and have a, a story develop so where he defends the title at the pay-per-view and not every week on TV. I think that would help a lot. Yeah. Adam Cole. Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho in an unsanctioned match with Sabu as the special enforcer. Now, like I said in the beginning, I enjoyed this match. I did not find it to be perfect. I think the last match that I saw Adam Cole in like this one was against Aleister Black at TakeOver Philadelphia. Not really prone to seeing Adam Cole in these brutal street fights or an unsanctioned match like this one. So it might be out of the realm of uh, normalcy to some people, but, you know, he does do these matches well. The crowd wasn't into it as much as I expected it, with Adam Cole being there and Jericho being there. Sabu and the inclusion of Sabu, Jesse really didn't make any sense at all uh, outside of, you know, appeasing Tony Khan and his ECW, ECW love so he was he was there tonight, and he didn't really do much of anything. So the match itself, though it was very good in ring, I just felt like it kind of under-delivered for what it should have been with a very lazy ending to the match because it was an unsanctioned match, and they end up stopping the match anyway, which kind of took the, the wind out of the, the crowd, which had no wind in it to begin with. Yeah, it's like he woke up just to boo. I mean, it's... It was a referee stoppage. Um, I don't think a referee stoppage is the worst ending. I mean, you get a clear-cut winner. It's just not as... We don't we don't get to see, you know, the Panama Sunrise. We don't get to see the boom drop. You know, we don't get to see the, 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 the ending. We don't get to see the finishing sequence. So people want to boo and not like it. Um, but Adam Cole got a decisive win. I mean, it definitely did not go over well with the live crowd. I mean, clearly, I, th- I think I think a lot of the people thought it was a a, a DQ or or no contest at first, 
You know, I, I, I think it was a little bit of a misunderstanding because they announced him the winner. And then it was like, oh, okay, he, he won. Okay, fine. You know, but yeah, I don't get why Sabu was here. It did nothing. Um, it just it elevated no one. It didn't. I, I don't. He just he just wasn't needed. It was. It didn't so even make random. sense to begin with why he was there. No, it it did not. It was so random. It was so unnecessary. It didn't need to be. It didn't need to happen. Now this technically does give Chris Jericho a excuse because you know he did not tap out. He did not give up. Uh, he didn't do anything. He didn't pass out. Uh, Aubrey Edwards stopped the match, which. I thought was a very lame ending in an unsanctioned match. He's there to uh, basically, you know, count somebody out one, two, three, or, you know, stop the match via, you know, a knockout or a, a, a fucking pass out or something like that. So that didn't make any sense to me. I do. Well, that's agree- essentially what they're saying, though. I mean, essentially what they're saying is he wasn't, Chris wasn't defending himself. He was out cold, basically. Oh, is that what they said? Yeah, it's a stoppage because he because at first when he was mounted, Cole was hitting him and Jericho was was blocking and defending himself. But then he was all of a sudden out cold, so he was just taking raw punches, just lame, just limp, and that's a ref stoppage. Just like you, I'm not gonna sit here and watch you just beat an unconscious man. That's the, the I, I could I could see why the live crowd didn't like that because you know uh, you know obviously si- sitting there watching it on the screens and. You know, if you're not watching the screens, you're watching the match in the ring. It's tough to see that type of thing. You don't know what yeah. the fuck's going on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I, 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 so I get it. I get why the live crowd didn't. But me watching at home, I was like, oh, he's, they, are they going to stop it? Are they going to stop it? Okay, ref stoppage. That's a clean win. That's not a DQ. And the ref and the, and the crowd booed. Like, oh, I guess the crowd didn't like that shit. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know what to say. It must. It just must not have translated well to the live crowd. So Garcia and the rest of the JAS with Jericho attacked Cole during the bell. Sabu entered the ring and he grabbed the chair. So Jericho and Garcia bailed out. Jericho then entered with a chair and he had a dueling chair battle with Sabu with the chairs. So they bashed their chairs against each other in the middle of the ring. Sabu got the better of it and then struck his signature pose, pointing up at the sky. Uh, I mean... He was supposed to be the enforcer, and all of a sudden, he is out there. He dove off the top rope onto uh, Matt Menard and Angela Parker on a table at ringside. Garcia then charged at Sabu and knocked him over, and then they brawled to the back, and we never seen Garcia, Jesse, and Sabu for the rest of the match. Now, they labeled him as the enforcer, special enforcer of Adam Cole, and he was not out there at all. Now, neither was the JIS. I guess he wasn't needed. But if he was supposed to be the special enforcer for Adam Cole, I mean, this was a complete waste of fucking time. Otherwise, he would have been out there. Yeah, I hope he didn't get paid for his gig, man. He didn't do his job. He did. Of course he did. Oh, well, he didn't do his job. Though. That's messed up. I just didn't understand why he was there in the begin- to begin with. I said that from the jump. Tony I, I Khan hadn't. loves his ECW days, man. I get it. He was there. I mean, even Excalibur on commentary said, the last time Chris Jericho and Sabu wrestled was 1996. You know who was in the crowd? Tony Khan and his father. That's it. That's all you needed to do. It made no sense, dude. Bring the guy out. Invite him as an honorary guest. You know, present him, honor him in a little bit, a little bit of a segment for another live crowd. And you put him and Taz together or whatever. It didn't move on. I mean, you don't have to put him in the middle of a match. The match itself was, fundamentally, it was fine. But like I said, everything kind of just fell flat because of the crowd. 
So we got a few minutes in. Jericho applauded walls to Jericho. Cole grabbed the bottom rope. But the referee let him know that there was no, no rope breaks. It's an unsanctioned match. So the walls of Jericho is legal. So instead, Cole grabbed the fire extinguisher that was laying out on the floor. And he sprayed the fire extinguisher in Chris Jericho's face. The match obviously continued on here. A lot of weapons used. And there were kendo sticks and chains and tables and chairs and fire extinguishers. Eventually, Britt Baker ran out and she saved Adam Cole from Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho had handcuffs again, just like the start of this angle on Adam Cole and Britt Baker came to save her boyfriend. So she starts swinging the kendo stick. She's absolutely going to work on Chris Jericho. He was lashed on his body with kendo stick shots from Britt. Soraya ran out and brawled with Britt. Britt turned the kendo stick on her. Soraya and Britt ran to the back because Britt was chasing Soraya. They ended up chained together, did Cole and Jericho. Cole hit a Panama Sunrise. Not very good because he did not get Jericho full rotation. But he went for the chain and wrapped his fist in the chain, the steel chain that Jericho brought in the ring instead of going for the cover off the Panama Sunrise. The referee then stopped the match as Cole was hitting Jericho over and over and over again in the skull, and Jericho appeared to be out completely, like, uh, like Jesse said, and Aubrey Edwards stopped the match. There was one scary spot in the match where Jericho threw a steel chair at Adam Cole when he was climbing the top rope. He nailed him right in the head. I don't know if Adam Cole got his hands up in time to block the chair hitting his head, but he fell over off the top rope and fell through a table that was set up on the outside in the beginning of the match. That was brutal. And Jericho ended up losing the match because Adam Cole started punching away at him with the chain, and Aubrey stopped the match. Fundamentally, it was good. I enjoyed what these guys did. Crowd fell very silent. It fell flat. I'm not sure a lot of people were even interested in the story. And Jesse, I'm going to ask you this just like I asked you about Orange Cassidy. Jericho is an all-timer. I love Chris Jericho. He is, if you want to say Moxley, Jericho, the face of AEW, you can't go wrong with either one of them. He is truly a leader and has nothing but AEW in his heart. He's done tremendous for this company. Are we getting to a point where it's crowd fatigue with the JAS and Chris Jericho and the same thing over and over again? Are we starting to feel that same fatigue with Orange Cassidy like we are with Orange Cassidy with Chris Jericho? No, no. Um, Chris Jericho is by far and away the absolute best wrestler on the planet when it comes to reinventing himself. So when Jericho has seen and can decide that a gimmick is getting stale, it needs to be changed up, nobody will do that or see that faster than he will. Um, I, I I sincerely believe that he 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 has reinvented himself better and more times than anyone else in pro wrestling. So when it's stale, when it needs to be redone or fixed or touched up, he'll know and he'll take care of it. Uh, I think Jericho's in the fine spot. He's in he's not in a main event picture or anywhere like that. And everything that he's doing right now is helping others. Everything, everything he's involved in, it involves helping others grow. So I'm absolutely okay with everything Jericho is doing right now. Do you think the crowd was a little indifferent to Britt Baker helping Adam Cole? How does that make him look? How did you feel about Britt 
kind of injecting herself into this situation. And now we have Britt involved with Jericho and Adam Cole. Well, she was already involved in the storyline, yeah. you know, from, from before. So this wasn't just a wild Brit society. So I'm, I mean, again, she's a, she's a part of it. And I, and I'll see people, people saying, Oh, well he needed his girlfriend to help him. His girlfriend's a professional wrestler, bro. And a former champion. It's not like he got some random girlfriend out who doesn't know what he's doing and got in the ring and pleaded and begged for his life not to hurt him. His girlfriend got in the ring with a stick and started whooping some ass in a no DQ match. It's what you're supposed to fucking do, man. Go fight for your fucking lover, man. Yeah. So I had no problem with this. I thought it told the right story. It was not made to be a five-star classic. And you hear the name Jericho and Cole, you think that's what they're going to give you. They give you an entertaining um sports entertainment match you know lots of fluff and lots of this usually that's done to take to take stress off of the workers maybe cole's not ready to go full force maybe jericho's not you know in a spot to do a full force match right now but they had all these people around them to help it help keep it entertaining and keep up with the flow of the story they've been telling over the last few weeks so i thought it was okay you know jericho gets a lot of shit for being monotonous and uh, same old, same old with the JAS. I will say this, though, uh, in closing, before we move on to the next uh, the next match, which was the tag team title match. Um, Jericho has aided in getting Ricky Starks more TV time and getting Ricky Starks over. Now, depending on how you look at that, you know, Tony Khan kind of dropped the ball with Ricky Starks because Action Andretti, who was a part of that, seemingly hasn't been fucking seen on AEW television. And Ricky yeah. Starks is kind of ice cold a little bit, right? I wouldn't say ice cold, but he's a little he's a little lukewarm now. He's not as hot as he was at the start of the year. Jericho is a primary reason for that. And Jericho, yes, that, that I don't know what she wants. I, I may Tell have, her shut the fuck up. I, I man. may have to get up when you get the floor. I may have to get up. I think the door is locked. Um, what the hell? I, I don't know why I got cats running around the beer garden. The fuck you doing, man? <laughs> um, Jericho, Aiden, and Ricky Starks. Depending on how you look at that, it's uh, you know. Something that he's he's taking great pride in. He's he's helping the younger talent get over. He's helping Adam Cole, introducing or reintroducing Adam Cole to TV, getting Adam Cole over in front of the audience as well here after being away for nine months. But the JAS, Jesse, I think J- the JAS is really kind of hindering how people look at Chris Jericho because I do fundamentally think the JAS needs to be reworked a little bit. Every single time Jericho's with the JAS and getting into a storyline, it's basically... The same storyline as he as he fused with whoever he fused with next is literally the same thing. Every JAS storyline arc is the same thing. That's what I think people are really hanging on to, and I think that's where it really needs to change. Well, one thing that can help a little bit with that is get the others involved in some shit. So how about we get, you know— um, um, 2.0 involved in the tag team titles. How about we get Hager involved in a singles mid-card title somewhere? How about we get them involved in doing something without Jericho to help us get invested in what they're doing individually? Well, I missed everything that you said because I had to go open my door, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna agree with everything you said. No, no, no. no. All, all I said was we, we should get 2.0 involved in the tag division and and get Hager involved in a mid-card title, they should be doing stuff on their own without Jericho just so that they can have their own stuff going on and then you can come back to the JES when needed. Yeah. But like you said, we the only time we see Jericho's henchmen is, is when they're Jericho's henchmen. So that's that's all they're really good for. But if we saw, you know, 
Daddy Magic out there kicking some ass in the tag division and potentially winning titles, or Hager going out there and having barn burners. I mean, that might change our opinions of the of the of, of the group as a whole. No, I agree. I mean, uh, that's that's something that it, it may it may take, you know, or, or something so simple like that, a little simple change. Get two get Daddy Magic and and um, and uh, Angela Parker into the tag team division and get them some solid wins, make them into a decent fucking tag team instead of just, you know, henchmen, like you said, and a comedy, a comedy tag team that's yep. just there as, uh, you know, background for, for the JAS. I wouldn't say let's put Jake Hager into a, a mid-card title feud or, or storyline, but Danny Garcia, you know, maybe something with him as well. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But I think it all stems from the JAS, to be quite honest with you. Could be, man, yeah. FTR. FTR, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood defending the AW Tag Team titles against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. They're out there with Sanjay Dutt, Satnam Singh, and Karen Jarrett. Now, I know Jesse was not big into this story. Neither was I. And we got Mark Briscoe in here trying to choose sides. Who is he with? Who is who he's against? He's the special guest referee here. This storyline did absolutely zero for me, Jesse. Jack shit, as I know it did for you. And regardless of all that, I think all of the shenanigans that I normally would pick on and kind of say, oh, man, this was an overbooked fucking tag team match. You know, depending on what we've gotten tonight so far with the lame crowd and the low energy in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, this was actually a welcome sight for me as a viewer because I thought all four of these guys, and I'm even including Jeff Jarrett in this, and I know you've been very hard on Jeff Jarrett, as have I. Don't really want him on TV. But I thought all four of these guys killed him, man. I thought this was a very good tag team match. Again, fundamentally, this was a solid match, and I thought the ending to this match with the guitar shots and the back and forth with Mark Briscoe and him getting knocked out and then Aubrey Edwards coming out and her getting a guitar shot by Karen Jarrett I thought it was a fucking really good match. I really did. Let's read the bomb in the chat. We got another bomb. We got another bomb. Oh, my God. We got I'm Already Dead with another $100 Super Chat. Says, Jesse, with the words of wisdom, listen to Jesse, boys and girls. You mentioned me twice. I think I should get two-thirds of that super chat. Sure thing, buddy. Sure thing. Guys, if you mention me in the bombs, I get half of them. Sure thing, guy. Come on. Come on. Keep them coming. Thank you so much. I thought this was a solid tag team title match, bro. Yeah, okay. Come on, man. Come on. This was, this was some good stuff, honestly. All right. All right. Look, you want me to break it down? Fine. The match was fine. There the you go. match was fine. There you go. I never once said that Jeff Jarrett was worthless or couldn't wrestle. Uh, pound for pound, Jeff Jarrett looks fantastic for his age right now. And he's working at an extremely... Uh, a comparable level to everyone else in the ring with. Fine. Just don't know why we're seeing him. That's all. I understand. And I'll say this. 
about the Karen Jarrett spot to Arby Edwards. I've been clamoring for I don't know how long now for someone to get that major heat by taking out Aubrey Edwards and they give it to Karen goddamn Jarrett. Yep. Karen Jarrett. Yep. I've been clamoring for I, somebody clip it, man. I've been asking for, I mean, Aubrey is so over and so respected as a referee that someone can go ahead and just intentionally take her out and get crap tons of heat. They finally did it and they gave it to Karen Jarrett. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, man? they gave it to Karen Jarrett, bro. She she fucking nailed Aubrey with that shot, though. I'll tell you that. She nailed it with that guitar shot. Yeah, man. That's- yeah, it's amazing, man. You know, you got the Orange Cassidy's and the fucking swerves out there in the open. And then you got the Adam Cole and Jericho unsanctioned match, right? With the brutality and all the fucking weapons and shit. You know what popped the crowd through fucking the first hour of the show? It's the old school, fundamental, methodical shenanigans of the tag team title match, bro. That's what fucking popped the crowd. The fucking over-the-top, overbooked shenanigans of an old school tag team title match is what got people over. It's crazy. We We just had shenanigans, though. Yeah, but this is this is a different type of shenanigans. Referee goes, referee goes down. We get the heels thinking they win the title. Out comes the second referee. I mean, that's classic old school, bro. I don't know. You say so, man. Typical Jeff Jarrett match. Jeff Jarrett's old school. He is. He very much so is. Yes, so is Jay Lethal in spirit. He's an old school spirit. Guess so, man. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler retain the titles. And Mark Briscoe was the special guest referee here. So there was a little scary moment in this match where I thought Cash was legitimately hurt. He dove through the ropes very intense. I don't know who it was on. I think it was on uh, Jay Lethal, if I'm not mistaken. He landed hard on the floor, which was the uh, negative of the match for me because every time I see someone dive in AEW, I think they're going to fucking break a limb or tear a ligament. Fall on their head. Jesus Christ. Um, so we got the fans chanting in this match. You fucked up. You fucked up because Briscoe kicked Karen and Sanjay out of the match. I believe, uh, Satin was kicked out as well. So Jarrett swung his guitar at Dax and Dax ducked or, uh, Jarrett ducked rather. And Dax ducked, I'm sorry. And the guitar KO'd Mark Briscoe. So Jarrett swung and... He ended up hitting Mark Briscoe instead. So fans chanted, you fucked up, you fucked up. Lethal tried for the lethal injection on Dax. Cash blocked it. Cash and Dax gave Lethal their double-team finish, the big rig, uh, or the shatter machine. Dax made the cover, and the fans counted along. There was no referee, so Briscoe was knocked out. Aubrey Edwards ran out, and Sanjay Dutt's in the aisleway. He didn't leave. He's blocking her. She shoved Dutt out of the way. In comes Karen, and she bashed Aubrey with the guitar. FTR's looking on from the ring. They don't know what to do. Their title's hanging in the balance. Lethal gave them both a lethal injection at the same time. FTR, Briscoe, and Lethal were all down in the ring. So uh, fans were chanting, fuck you, Karen. Fuck you, Karen. Jarrett lifted Dax. Held him as Lethal wound up, wound up with the tag team title, and he was going to nail him with the title. Dax kicked the belt out of Lethal's hands. Dax gave Lethal a pile driver. 
Jarrett gave Dax a shot to the face with the tag team belt. Referee is still down. He followed with his finish, which he calls the stroke, which is nothing more than a uh, Miz finish. The skull skull crushing finale, finale, yes. Jarrett yelled for Briscoe to wake up. Briscoe counted one, two, and then Dax kicked out. Crowd popped big time for this. Jarrett was mad, and he shoved Briscoe and then slapped him across the face. Briscoe slapped him back. FTR hit Jarrett with a shatter machine. Mark Briscoe made the one, two, three, and they retained the tag team titles. I thought this was very good, even though the story was lame. No interest, no heat coming into it. I thought all four guys delivered. I think they delivered in the ring. I, I, look, pound for pound, I think everyone went out there and did what they were supposed to do and performed it well for the match. Like you just said earlier, just not interested in the match. No. Just not interested in it. No, we need we need better for the tag team titles. We need better for FTR. Hopefully, that, hopefully Tony Khan has something new and fresh lined up for FTR, like a legitimate fucking tag team. Now, Jesse and I complaining about the tag team division has been, you know, the one thing that we've kind of rallied with and kind of stamped our flag with. You know, the tag team division has fallen off a cliff in this company. You know, it was the bread and butter of AEW, and now it's barely a fucking impact at all in the company. Let me ask you something. Why did they take those titles off of the acclaim? I don't know. Just to put us into this feud with the acclaim versus Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, they they just could have did the acclaim versus Lethal and Jarrett as they continue to build FTR up to get them to be tag team champions, as they, opposed to just you're back and here are the titles. Well, if the if the acclaim were the tag team champions still, and Tony Khan was planning on bringing FTR back. Tony Khan wanted him to wanted them to take the belts off of the guns instead of the acclaimed. Maybe he didn't want to do babyface team versus babyface tag team. So he wanted he wanted the guns to give the titles to FTR. Yeah, but the acclaimed just could have kept the titles, not lost them to the guns or FTR. And just continue to be champions until we change champions down the because because the acclaim just kind of got shortchanged out of their title run. They really didn't get to ch- get a chance to do anything with it. So why do we take the titles off of them? No reason. Hello. Hello. Did I lose you? Can't hear you, bro. Can you hear me? Now we hear you. Oh, I don't know what's going on. I muted myself. I muted myself. Yeah, you did. I was saying, because I fucking muted myself like a dumbass, the gun club, bro, I didn't, I didn't want to I didn't want to see the gun club lose the tag team titles. I thought they were a great heel tag team actually starting to come into their own. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe he he lured FTR back with the tag team titles. That's why he gave them the tag team titles when he did. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And that's what I originally said. Like, uh, did he just promise them the titles when they resigned, and then just okay, they're back, give it to him because there was no reason to take him off the acclaim just yet. Yeah, I don't know. I have no problem with FTR being champions. I have no problem with the Gun Club being champions. What is the hurry? We'll get there. We'll get from the acclaim to the guns, the guns to FTR. We'll get there. What is the rush? What is the rush? I don't know. Maybe Tony Khan's got something planned that we don't even know of yet. Who knows? But FTR retained the tag team titles. We need uh, we need some tag team division in AEW start to heat up again. Uh, hopefully with this next segment, uh, we may be on to that. Alex Marvez inter, uh, interviewed Ricky Starks. And we got Ricky Starks uh, talking about what happened with Juice and Jay White in the Battle Royal. Juice and Jay White attacked Ricky Starks during the interview. And FTR ran back as they were coming out um, to the back from their match. Saved Ricky Starks from the two-on-one attack from the Bullet Club. So... We could be looking at FTR getting involved with Ricky Starks and getting involved with the Bullet Club. And like we kind of alluded to, Jesse, maybe Juice and Jay White are the next in line for potential tag team title opportunity against FTR. I like it. So do I. I got no problem. I like that. I like that a lot. That, dude, for me, and this goes back to coming up with feuds that does not need a title around them. For me, the acclaim could still be champs while Jay White and, and Mr. Rock hard feud with FTR and battle for the number one contendership. I mean, that match right there is interesting by itself. And then knowing that the winner is going to get a tag team title match, that would be great. I mean, I, I just think we're moving titles around too much for no reason. We may be getting a new Bullet Club member as well. If it's going to be Ricky Starks and FTR, uh, I mean, I guess uh, I guess he didn't want the services of Sean Spears. Well, I don't know what happened to Sean Spears in this yeah, thing, right? I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened just, to Spears. Man. Just deleted from the storyline. But we'll uh, we could be Maybe looking at a new vision. Bullet Club member. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe he's on collision, Spears. Maybe. I think he's got some value. I'd like to see that. Yeah, the I don't, perfect, I like The Sean perfect Spears. 10. Yeah, I think he's I think he's all right. Backstage, Chris Jericho and Soraya were throwing a fit. Jericho was in a rage about losing via referee stoppage. He said Cole is an insane barbarian and a bastard. Soraya called Britt Baker a bitch for hitting her with a kendo stick. Jericho demanded Tony Khan give them a mixed tag team match on Dynamite. It's going to be Soraya and Jericho versus Cole and Britt Baker. So we started throwing uh, what looked to be some catering stuff around and a worker walked in and told Jericho to calm down. Soraya swung at him, and he turns around, and Jericho threw a fireball in his face. The guy went down, writhing in pain as he had a burned face, and Jericho says, I'm a wizard, bitch. How dare you tell me to calm down? He's a wizard. Hope that guy calls the cops, files charges. Hopefully that guy has insurance, man. I don't know what type of fireball that was. Yeah, hit me with a fireball. Called himself a fucking wizard. Where are the cops? There you go. Wardlow, Mr. TNT champion. He went one-on-one with Christian Cage in a 
TNT title ladder match that I was actually looking forward to because I'm a big Christian Cage guy. And so was Jesse. And I thought this was very good. Yep. Probably the best TNT title match that we've seen in quite some time, to be brutally honest with you. And I thought this match delivered, though scary in some parts. Yes. Wardlow is a fucking madman, to be honest with you. And Christian Cage, bro, he got appreciation from the Vegas crowd. The one thing that we could learn from the Vegas crowd tonight, bro, is that they appreciate Christian Cage's uh, shirt, his uh, turtleneck. Yeah, man, they they know that that is a heel turtleneck, man. Yes. That is. They know. Th- this guy comes out wrestling in a turtleneck. That guy is a dick. How he stumbled upon this type of uh, ring attire, bro, I'd love to know. What What's the whole mentality and idea about the turtleneck? Where'd that come from? That was nobody. Only See, this is the type of shit that you'd be asking in the scrum if we were there, you see? Right. What's what's the deal with the turtleneck, bro? I gotta know. Like the scarf. It's like the scarf. The turtleneck and MJF scarves. It it means same thing, man. Anyway, TNT title. Very good match. Uh, Cage told Luchasaurus to go to the back. He wanted to do this himself. So Arn Anderson was not out there with Wardlow. It was one-on-one for most of this up until the end. So Wardlow ran through Cage with some shoulder tackles, and he powered out of a kill switch early. And uh, Wardlow tried bringing in a ladder. Cage hit uh, Wardlow with the baseball slide and then a slingshot dive. And then Wardlow, no effect on any of these moves by Christian, threw the ladder at Christian and took him out. So Cage is down. Wardlow set up multiple tables, and he was going for a big swanton through them, which he was way too far off. I don't know if that was even going to be a possibility, but Christian Cage bailed anyway. So we got a ladder bridge set up, and both men are standing on it. Christian Cage crotched Wardlow through the rung of the ladder on this ladder bridge. And my God, man, you're asking for a torn groin. With something like that. That actually pained me watching Wardlow just slip through the fucking rung of the ladder, bro, as this ladder bridge was laying on the barricade in the ring apron. Holy shit. How we continued the match after this, I don't know. Well, we know if that was Juice Robinson in that spot, he would not have been able to. Continue. No, you know, you want to know why? Why because is that? Because he's rock hard. Uh, knew it. Uh, I knew this. I knew it. That, that I mean... You walk right into that one, bro. I knew it. But Wardlow is not rock hard. He nope. took uh, a fucking crotch shot that uh, pained everybody in attendance. So Cage is starting to climb the ladder. Wardlow, back in the ring, how, I don't know, uh, shoved him off to the mat. Wardlow wanted a powerbomb, and Cage broke free, climbed the ladder, was caught into a slam. Wardlow delivered a very good-looking Gorilla press slam and and uh, Christian Cage rolled to the floor. So Wardlow went to climb. Luchasaurus hit ringside. He shoved Cage uh, in the ring and he just threw him in there and he delivered a reverse DDT off the ladder. Cage tried to charge, but Wardlow caught him into a slam on the ladder. Wardlow placed Cage on the ladder and went for a swanton bomb, but crashed and burned. So Cage, uh, that was fucking brutal. Swanton bomb on the back of the ladder, man. He got that shit flush. I'm like, holy shit. He was writhing in pain. So, um, 
Cage climbed the ladder. Arn Anderson all of a sudden is out there now with Luchasaurus out there. He helped Wardlow up. He leapt off the top rope onto the ladder. And I want you guys to imagine this. The ladder is there. Christian's on one side of the ladder. Wardlow, I don't know what the fuck he thought he was doing, bro. He tried to channel his inner Shelton Benjamin here. He climbed from the, the, the fucking top rope. He jumped to the ladder. And when he jumped on the ladder, the ladder on his side, bro, twisted and bent to a point where the ladder was fucking destroyed and Wardlow could not climb the ladder and both guys fall off the ladder. It broke. He broke it, the ladder. The it, force it of him jumping off the top, thinking that he was Shelton Benjamin, broke the fucking ladder. Man. And he tried to come back in and, and fix that spot using the same ladder. The, the ref's like, hold on, motherfucker. He, he tried to set this broken ladder up and climb to win the match. Rick Knox is in there trying to hold the ladder. He gets pissed off because he can't climb it. He throws the ladder down, grabs another bigger ladder, sets it up in the ring. This was fucking, this was chaos. It's chaos. So it, it, I, I liked it because it did not feel choreographed at all. It just felt like shit went wrong and they had to figure some shit out, which what... Which is what happens in a fight. If any of you watching or listening right now have ever been into a fight, then you know it is not very seamless and organized and smooth. It's just you just fucking fight. And the shit that happens, you deal with it in the middle of the fight. And this is what it felt like. We're, we're, we're fighting and this shit broke. Fuck, I don't know it's broke. Whatever. Get it the fuck out of here. And that's what it, it's chaos in a fight. That's what it is. So Arn Anderson comes out and he gets caught by Luchasaurus. And Luchasaurus is trying to choke slam Wardlow, or he does choke slam Wardlow twice. Anderson is out there now and he makes the save, I think. He nearly got choke slammed himself, but with Luchasaurus with his hand around Arn Anderson's throat, Arn Anderson bites the thumb of Luchasaurus and. Luchasaurus is now bleeding. His thumb is fucking all red. Arn Anderson's got blood dripping from his mouth like he's a fucking vampire. And this was crazy. I don't know what the fuck was hanging off Luchasaurus's hand. It might have been wrist tape. It might have been uh, white tape that he wrapped his hand in. But some people were saying that he bit the skin off Luchasaurus. I don't know. That was, was a gimmick thumb. I, I think it was, was a it? gimmick thumb. I, yeah, I think it was a gimmick thumb. They had it all taped up and covered, and the spot was so planned. I think that was just a gimmick spot, which is fine, which is fine. I don't need the real thumb chewed off from a wrestler. I mean, it came off looking well on camera. That's all I care about. It looked fine. I mean, so he bites the thumb of Luchasaurus, and um, Wardlow is trying to take out Luchasaurus with a chair. He set him up on those tables that were on the outside that he tried to swanton bomb through earlier. Wardlow climbed the top of the ladder, set it up, Position it right this time and hit a fucking gorgeous swanton bomb off of the ladder through the tables, through Luchasaurus. So Wardlow, obviously we know where he gets his influence from. He thinks he's Shelton Benjamin. He thinks he's Jeff Hardy. So he is uh, loving what he's doing here. Cage then slowly climbed the ladder. Arn Anderson and Wardlow get in the ring as Arn Anderson swung Cage's legs off the ladder and Wardlow caught him with a super power bomb. Wardlow climbed up and grabbed the title, and he wins the ladder match to retain the TNT title. I thought this was fucking good shit, man. This was a brutal fucking ladder match. This was probably the best Wardlow match all year. I loved it. 
this match was a part of the reason why I said this show was pretty damn good. I, I, I love this match. I thought yeah. it was pretty damn awesome. And I've not been high on Wardlow since TK has not been high on Wardlow. No. But um, this match was was absolutely up up his alley for me. I think Christian did a pretty damn good job at making Wardlow look like a damn killer of a champion. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this this match through and through. This was good stuff. Now, I hope that uh, it may be asking a lot of Tony Khan, but maybe we'll get a fucking story that spans more than two weeks with the TNT title and Wardlow. I don't know. No, man. Wardlow going into Forbidden Door. That's going to be interesting. Wardlow going into Wembley. That's going to be interesting. So we'll see. Tony Storm. Jamie Hayter. And the AEW Women's Championship. Now, there is a story that Jamie Hayter is legitimately hurt. And I don't know where it's coming from. It might be it might be Mike Johnson. It might be Fightful. I'm not really sure. But let me just quickly check this. Which, which entirely changed my opinion of the outcome of this match. Because it went from not understanding it or liking it and then realizing that Jamie Hayter was hurt and needed some time, then perfectly fine. Then fine, understandable, Tony Storm getting her second reign, getting the chance to actually be a legitimate champion this time. I'm okay with all of this. Yeah. Um, backstage update on Jamie Hayter's injury. Let's see what this says here. Um, it looks to be a possible shoulder injury. Fightful Select is saying that Hater is actually dealing with multiple legitimate injuries. She's been fighting through injuries for more than a month now, uh, and uh, she went into this match injured. So nobody knows exactly what the injury is. They did an angle to write her off TV, and it might have been a case, Jesse, I don't know this for sure, where Jamie just wanted to do business tonight and put Tony Storm over because they're all very good friends, and it would have been ridiculous for her to just give up the title. That would have been very poor. Um, as far as what happens on TV with the storyline. So kudos yeah. to Jamie Hitter for actually going out there hurt and doing fucking business tonight for, yeah. with, with Tony Storm, number one. Number two, it definitely makes things a little bit more interesting and hopefully sets up Jamie Hayter for something even bigger in Wembley if she can get back legitimately and get back to 100%. Oh, I hope so, man. That, that, would, be, that would be fucking fantastic and really a coming of uh, full circle type storyline here. But... Tony Storm is the new AW Women's Champion. Um, Tony made her entrance first. Jamie Hader's music went off. Nobody came out. Her music came on again, and then she came out, but she was thrown out from the backstage area by the outcasts. So they were beating her up, and the match itself really wasn't even a match. So the match got underway, and Jamie Hader was already the underdog coming into this thing with the injury, and now she's being beat up by the outcasts. So... Soraya untied the corner turnbuckle. Referee just kind of stood there and watched her do it. There was nothing stopping the outcasts from cheating. Britt Baker ran out, which was a little bit of a question mark here, Jesse, with the outcast beating Jamie Hayter up for the amount of time that they did. What took Britt Baker so long to get the fuck out there and back her friend up? She wasn't still fighting uh, Soraya. Soraya was out here. Soraya was out here with the outcasts. She was hitting the, the beatdown. Where was Britt Baker? Was she on the opposite side of the fucking building? She knew that Jamie Hayter had a match coming up. Yes. 
she knew that that match would be against someone who had two other people who are going to be out there with them at ringside. Why was she not ready to go out there for the match to begin with? I don't know. I don't know. Where, where was she? Big time logic gap. You know, but none, nonetheless, like you said, Jamie Hayter going out there and, and, and doing business, you know, while hurt, you know, is, is very, 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 you know, respectable. And I hope she didn't make things worse for her. And this is a very untimely injury. I know, and a lot of people are saying that Jamie Hayter had a lackluster title run. Um, I don't think it. I, I don't think it was supposed to be anywhere near over. I think that's run was supposed to be a little bit better than what we got. Um, clearly, you can tell over the last few weeks that she's not been the same. No. So, so um, this explains it, and it sucks. It sucks because she did not get a good run. And I think she deserved one, and I think she was going to get one. So I think when she's healed, I think her title run will resume at some point. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I don't know the severity of the injury. I don't think anybody knows the severity of the injury, but I would assume that if AEW management sent her out there and they cleared her to at least compete tonight, that it's not as serious as everybody's thinking it is. Right. You know? Hopefully, yeah. So... It may be a situation where she's going to miss Forbidden Door and she's going to miss some of the, you know, summer going into July. And maybe they are going to play it cautious because they have, you know, a, a reworked plan here for her going into Wembley, which would, you know, be a great coup for her being that she's from that part of the world and she can go into Wembley and win the title back from Tony Storm. Now, it definitely serves it up for Tony to kind of redo her title reign, Jesse, because if you if you remember, and if you guys remember, Tony Storm was the interim champion going into her first reign, and that's something that she was very vocal about, and that was a shoot. A lot of people were very vocal about that because Thunder Rosa gave up the championship, and Tony Storm was called interim the entire time that she had the title. So I'm glad that she's actually got the title now and she is now officially the women's championship and there's no interim bullshit attached to Tony Storm's title reign. Now, is it going to be any different than Jamie Hayter being champion? I don't know, but Tony Storm is now the first time, the first two-time AEW women's champion because of this. Yeah, so I don't know what they do here as far as the outcast and Britt Baker now because... Jamie Hayter was an extremely uh, important part to this yes. little feud that's going on. So they need to change direction somehow and quickly. It just can't be Britt Baker and Sheeta versus the Outcast. And as a matter of fact, we're all getting tired of everything involved with these little, I mean, come on. You have to do something different. We just can't keep getting Outcast versus Britt Baker and insert someone here. This may be, you know, you know. Listen, man, I, I agree with you. Jamie Hader was a, a big focal point of this storyline. This may yes. actually open up the possibilities of Thunder Rosa teaming up with Britt Baker for the good of the division. You know, that'll be a nice little fucking storyline there for them to coexist to go against the 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 outcasts who are trying to take over the division. I, I don't want. I'm tired of the fucking outcast and Britt Baker and who she could. Let the outcast, they have the title. They got what they wanted. Go and do outcast shit. But who do you do outcast shit against now? 
uh, find someone, dude. Call up somebody from NXT. I don't know what you want me to fucking say, but I'm tired of the outcast feuding with Britt Baker and insert friends here. Do something else. What do we do? It's got to be something, man. Got to be something. Status back. Do something, man. I'm sorry. It's, I don't know where Serena Deeb is. I don't know. Get Athena back in here. But find something else for these women to do rather than feud with each other. They need some. These five women, the Outcast and Britt Baker and Sheeta, they need to do something else. It's getting tired. You know what they need to do, bro? They need to bring in Eva Marie. That'd be different. I don't care at this point, man. Sign Jordan Grace. Get her in here. Do something. Something has no, to change. No, you're right. You're right. They won the championship. That should have been their mission statement. That should have been their goal. They got the championship now. Now it's over. Now you move it's, on to the next thing. What are you gonna What are you gonna accomplish now? What is your new mission statement? Move on. Run rough shot until someone steps up and then br- do something else. This shit has to stop. You've done every last single iteration of this. We're, we're tired of it. We've seen it. We get it. They won. They got the title. They put the champion out of commission. Rip Baker is busy doing shit with, with Adam Cole. They can go do something else. That's it. Let it be done for right now. Let it breathe. You know, you know what would have really been great, but she's injured too. I know you guys don't like me and Jesse mentioning her all the time, but Mercedes would have been fucking perfect for this, you know? Come on in. I, th- I think we were getting, I think we were getting Mercedes and Hater at Forbidden Door, and I'm so bummed about that, dude. Well, it'll it'll eventually happen because I do think that she's going to uh, eventually join AEW. But oh fuck! I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's completely uh, gone yeah. now. The possibility of that is finished. You know, maybe that was a part of the plan coming up. Who knows? All we know is that TK has spoken to Mercedes and they had worked something out in regards to when and where she'd be brought in. We don't know when or where it was, but we know that they talked and it's in the work. It was in the works. Well, we don't know the severity of her injury. We don't even know what the fuck her injury is. First of all, because she got injured at the uh, last new Japan show that she was at and she wrestled Willow Nightingale. But you know, I know a lot of people are saying that she was supposed to be at forbidden door Tony Khan was quoted saying that the only people that know what's going on with her and a possible AEW appearance is her and Tony Khan. So he kind of kind of he kind of already alluded to her kind of coming in, but it could have been Forbidden Door. I know AEW is doing a show at the TD Garden in Boston. That could have been a possibility for her as well. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Willow, you, you you just mentioned Willow Nightingale. Yeah. She's a champion now. I mean, have her do something with the outcast. Do something. Find something for these women to do rather than just feud with each other over and over and over and over. You got women sitting around in catering who are really good in the ring. You're just not using them. Use them. Yeah, uh, I don't want to see Britt and the Outcasts anymore. I, I think with Jamie out and Britt doing this with Sheeta, bro, there really is, like you said, there's no story to tell. There's no. nowhere for them to go. Nope. So anyway, Tony Storm won the title. Sweet Cheek Music and Sheeta hit the ring with the kendo stick. Soho and Sheeta brawled. Haters sent Storm into the exposed buckle that Soraya pulled off earlier in the match. She hit her finish, the Haterade, but it was with the bad arm. 
Hater couldn't follow up with the pin, and uh, Tony Storm hits Storm Zero after Hater was sent into the exposed buckle. She walked right into Tony's finish, one, two, three, and Tony wins the title. Goodbye. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll see what happens, but uh, we got two new champions, man. Maybe the landscape of the women's division is changing going into the debut of Collision. I don't know. Yeah. I see people in the chat throwing out suggestions. Um, Sky Blue. Dude, they've invested so much time into Sky Blue. Now it's time for it to start paying off. Put her to work into a legitimate feud with the outcast. She's a white meat baby face. Get her out there. Let her get to it, dude. We got the House of Black. I didn't even know they were on the show until uh, this show tonight. They got an open challenge. I don't know why they were added, but I'm not complaining. Malachi, Brody, and Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart. They were in an open challenge against the Acclaimed. And Daddy S. Trio's championship open house match. Max Caster. Caster's rap compared Brody King to someone on RuPaul's Drag Race. And then the line of the night might be the line of the week. Oh, my God. He mentioned something about Buddy Matthews being cucked out by a kid named Dominic. Because everybody knows that Buddy Matthews is dating the lovely Rhea Ripley. And Rhea Ripley and Dominic are an on-screen couple for the Judgment Day on Monday Night Raw. Fucking buried, man. Got him. Got him. Got him good. I laughed my ass off. I thought that was a great line. <laughs> I, I couldn't stop, dude. <laughs> so good. They gave Max actually two more bars of raps, bro. He went uh, He went uh, an extra two lines here. Yeah. It was so good. We haven't seen him in a while, so he had a few lined up in the chamber, it sounds like, man. But I enjoyed this match for what it was, man. I know they beat down Bowens for most of this match. And the Acclaim were able to fight off Black in their corner. And they got some double-team moves here after Bowens finally made it to his corner. They tried Scissor Me Timbers. Black countered into a leg lock. Caster and Gunn were beaten up on the floor. Brody King hit a charging crossbody against the barricade on Billy. Bowens tried fighting back with the fireman's carry into a neckbreaker on his knee, Yushi Garoshi. Uh, and that was uh, obviously with uh, the bad knee that Black was working on. And Bowens collapsed. Caster and Gunn were down. Nobody there to make a tag. Black locked in another leg lock. Tagged him, buddy. Hit a meteora off the top. Brody connected with a senton. And I don't want to be hit with a fucking rolling cannonball by Brody King at all, ever. No. <laughs> no. Bowens, he was still isolated, and he fought off Dante's Inferno. He low-bridged Brody, sent Matthews and Black to the outside, finally hit Matthews with a thrust kick. He made the hot tag to Billy Gunn. He ran wild with splashes. Big tilt-a-whirl slam. He did the Famouser as well on Brody. Matthews ate a Famouser. He was hanging on the ropes when he ate the Famouser. And then he turned around and gave Buddy Matthews the DX crotch chop. Turned around, he walked right into a black mess from Malachi. One, two, three, and the House of Black retained the trio's titles. Killed him. Killed him. Knocked him out. Walked right into it. Fucking murdered. 
So the House of Black still had the vibe of the uh, lights being dimmed, and they got that little kaleidoscope, tri-colored light in the crowd. I think they could do away with that, to be honest with you. I like just the darkened crowd and the spotlight on the ring. Nope. I don't, don't think change they, shit. You, you like the way that it is now. Yep, it's, it's perfectly fine. Don't change shit. The ambiance is fucking great. Don't change shit, man. I love it. I could do away with the kaleidoscope uh, tricolor lights, but, you know, it's not terrible. Um, I want to say that the House of Black's entrance is fucking phenomenal. I, so I love their goddamn entrance. That chugging guitar riff that comes over when the, the fucking curtain comes down. So good. And Julia, Julia Hart's Hart. presentation, oh. bro, is fucking so good. Love it. Love it. Yes. Love it. They Perfect. are so good. All four of them. So fucking good. Jade Cargill. She was with Layla Gray and Mark Sterling. TBS title on the line against Taya Valkyrie. Now, I know you guys are expecting me to shit all over this match, but... Uh, this is Jade's best match. This was probably one of Jade's <laughs> better matches, to be quite honest with you. Even though the story sucks, and the story is very lame, and it's not interesting, there's no heat. They actually got this Las Vegas crowd behind what they were doing for the last minute and a half, which was fucking surprising. So Cargill came out dancing to the ring. I think it was the Alpha Kappa Alpha, her sorority. Her sorority sisters, which is a pretty cool touch. I liked it. And uh, Brandon Phillips was actually at ringside with their daughter. And um, he was there in support of uh, Jade. So that was pretty cool. I had them on my fantasy team. I love them. Valkyrie and Cargill, they faced off. Taya got the upper hand with a lariat. Cargill tried to kind of regroup with Mark Sterling on the outside. She was taken out by Taya, who dove off the top rope. Cargill took it to Taya with a pump kick. She regained control of the match. Taya battled back, sliding German suplex through the ropes. Jade responded with a suplex on the floor. That was nicely done. Cargill planted Valkyrie with a very nice-looking spine buster in the ring. She went for a cover and got her near fall, and then she took it to Valkyrie on the outside, and they start brawling, and she drops Taya throat first over the barricade on the outside. So Taya's battling back once again. Couple of lariats. Cargill did the same with some lariats of her own. Cargill applied a sleeper hold, which Excalibur put over as a new move in her arsenal. Oh, my goodness. She ended the sleeper. We should watch out for Jade now. Best wrestler ever. She's Ta- working, man. She's I know. Taya quickly counted into a blue thunder bomb off the sleeper. Really wasn't a blue thunder bomb, more like a uh, sit-out power bomb. Yeah. Cargill attempted a springboard attack off the top, which caught me by surprise. I didn't think she was actually going to do something like that. But she got caught with a, I want to say a code breaker or what was attempted to be a code breaker. But it looked like they just collided midair together. Tyus uh, tied up Cargill's legs and hit a fucking brutal-looking curb stomp. Uh, for a two count, and Layla Gray jumped on the apron, immediately kicked Ty to the floor. Valkyrie connected with the spear, and she hit Rhodes of Valhalla, but Cargill managed to kick out, which shocked the fans. They actually got the crowd to pop for Ty's finishing move. Uh, Valkyrie went for another move. Cargill kicked her in the face, and she hit her finish, jaded for the one, two, three, and she gets the victory, goes to 60 and 0. So she wins the tie, she wins the match and retains the title. So Mark Sterling gets on the microphone and says, Cargill is 60-0, and 
She's beaten everybody that has been thrown in front of her and said she will defend the title anytime, anywhere, but there is no one left. Out comes Chris Statlander, and she got a big reaction. So this apparently was an open challenge thrown down by Mark Sterling. So we get the referee. They agree to a match. Cargill says yes. Statlander wants it. Referee rings the bell. Cargill missed the pump kick. Statlander hit a big kick of her own. Corner charge with a knee lift. She attempted a big vertical stalling suplex. Cargill kneed her in the head to escape. Cargill hit a pump kick. She went for jaded. Statlander reversed into night fever. One, two, three. Wins the title. And the TBS title reign of Jade Cargill, Jesse, is finally over. 60 and one. And it goes to show you, Jesse, and we've talked about this dating back to when Cargill was fucking 30 and 0. Statlander's title to win. It's been planned. The only thing that stopped this from happening earlier was that it her, her, her injury. injury. Yep. She was injured. And Tony Khan kept up with those plans. And she's back. And she's now the TBS title. We got a new TBS champion. And we got Tony Storm as the new AW champion. I like the current champions that we got in the company, bro. I do. Yeah, I I, I think before Stats' injury, um, she had ridiculous momentum, man. She was she was she was on the way. She was white hot, and then she got hurt. Um, it was her title then. It was her time then. It was her title then. That's another thing for these um, for the people who want to slam you about the, the the similarities of this with Charlotte Flair. Um, Chris Statliner never had her moment at the top. And she gained her momentum and she got her wins and she worked her way to get to this spot to be the TBS champion. But an unfortunate, untimely injury happened. So she had to go away. She got her surgery. She got healed. She got better. And she just went back right to the spot where she left off when she left. I'm okay with that. Jade needed to lose that title. Chris Statlander is the top female at this point now in AEW, and I think she should be holding the title. I know a lot of people are going to call me a hypocrite for uh, for uh, liking this and then shitting on Charlotte, but like you put, Jesse, Charlotte has had how many title reigns now? What, 13, 14 title reigns? And she comes back every single time. She takes two, three months off. She's back on TV, and immediately with no wins, no fucking matches to build up to, she comes back and requests the title match. She's given the title match. She's given the title in, in some in situations. AEW yeah. has hardly ever, maybe never, I, I don't remember the last time they did something like this, especially with the women, never have done something like this. Plus, also, Jesse, a lot of people who are telling me that maybe didn't watch the show because Mark Sterling basically left it open. We want challenges. She's beaten everybody. She will defend the title anywhere against anyone. And then out comes Chris Statlander. So he basically willed this into existence and said, we will take on all challenges. So happened that Chris Statlander was waiting tonight and we got a match impromptu. That in itself made it unlike what people are claiming is similar to Charlotte Flair. So you can't really say anything about it. You can't. It, it was, it was her. It was James. It was, it was Chris Statlander's time to be champion right before her injury. It was, it was, she, she was so over. She, she was, she was more over than anybody on the female roster, anyone. And she got hurt. 
So when she came back, TK just gave her her spot right back, which is fine. No, she didn't jump over people. She didn't like bury anybody. This was her spot, and they and they kept um, Jade fresh and champion for stat. I think that was gonna be her victory. I think that was gonna be her accomplishment to put her over the top. She took down Jade Cargill. I think this was the right decision. Yeah, I'm excited about this, and she looks fucking incredible. She looks Whatever great. she did in the time that she was rehabilitating, she looks incredible. Uh, she is not, I know some people were asking, is she still an alien? No, she's not an alien. She looks like a human being. Uh, she's yeah. got uh, the multicolored hair. The green is still in her hair, but she she resembles, honestly, it, it looks like Chris Statlander just being herself, which is great because I'm a fan yeah. of who she is. And it looks like she's got that that rock star look, man. It's, it's almost like Kiss inspired with the outfits and the, and the, and the logo and... You know, I, I I like what she's doing. She looks great. She looks badass. As long as she gets in there, fucking gives us some great matches, man. I'm I'm good to go with her. I really am. Yeah, no, this this is great. We we lost Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter was the face, um, and we lost her right now due to injury. But right at the same breath, we got Chris Statlander, and she's gonna be the face of the women for um the foreseeable future. Uh, uh, listen, Tony Brown, wherever you are, bro, you got uh, another one to add to the list. Stat man, yeah. <laughs> man, can't go wrong with stat, bro. Oh no, oh no. Man. I'm a, I'm a fan. Yes. A fan. Anyway, AEW World Title is up next, and we got the Pillars Fatal Four Way, and we got this match going on before the main event, which we had documented earlier. I said. Well, I don't know, man. I don't like the AW World Title going on before the main event, but uh, Tony Khan had a very good reason because the anarchy in the arena was going to cause chaos, where everything that followed it was going to be uh, basically impossible. So that's why they did this first and the anarchy last. So people claiming that the AW title is not as prestigious as people think, give me a break. There was a reason why Tony Khan did what he did, and it was because of the matches that he had lined up for this evening. So... This match and the next, so there's no disputing the next two matches were fantastic. Yes. And we're just coming off the Jade Cargill match, which I know it's tradition to try to shit on it, but it was a good match, and the outcome was very, very, very pleasing for a lot of people. Yeah. All right? And we had the latter match. Fantastic match. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how this was a bad show to some. Tag team title match was very good. The latter match was great. Good, we got these two show. these two mega main events, which was fucking fantastic. Chris Statlander came back. The yeah, Battle man. Royal was great with the closing sequence of Orange Cassidy and Swerve. I mean, I don't know, man. If you if you thought this was a thumbs down show, you clearly didn't watch close enough. This was this was a damn good show. Losing Jamie Hayter on the show would have been very depressing without getting Chris Statlander back. I think that was great timing for them. I think that would have been very depressing to lose Jamie and have no replacement. But they got they got stat back. I love this show, man. Yeah, this was a this was a good show. This was a good show. Crowd was uh, a little questionable, but the, the 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 content on the show was very good. Yeah. So there is absolutely no fucking way I'm going to be able to go over all this. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not even I'm not even going to. I like I don't I don't even know what to fucking say. Like. I don't know who's watching this. It wants me to go over this fucking match. We all saw it. This was so good. We, we all saw how fucking great it was. First of all, Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti came out, and Jungle Boy made his entrance first. Sammy came out second, and they announced on cue cards that they are expecting their first child together. So congratulations to them. And Sammy Guevara 
took that happiness and that pride and wrestled with it tonight, and he fucking killed it. So congratulations to both of them. Darby came out. He was dressed as Elvis, and he had some Elvis-inspired Vegas skit, and MJF was uh, sitting upon his throne, ascending from the heavens, I guess, and he comes down. He's wearing his devil mask, and he makes his entrance into the ring, and we got all four pillars in the ring starting this match. This might have been one of the best Fatal 4-Way matches that I think I've ever seen, Jesse. I thought this was tremendous. The storyline was very, very good going into this. There was a report from Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net that MJF was responsible for basically, I I would say, taking this storyline and molding it to how we saw it on TV. What What do you think of that, first and foremost? What do you think of MJF having some creative freedom here? to tell this story and guiding this storyline to what we saw tonight. I think that this I'm already dead guy does not want us to finish the show. That's what I think, man. Another super chat, bro. And he didn't put my name in this one. I'm already dead with another 100. That's 500 tonight. My God. Fatal four-way in your words. Oh, my goodness. Shout out to Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello on their pregnancy. Papa, Sammy has been busy. Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him. This was uh, one of the best Fatal 4 matches that I think I've ever seen, Jesse. Uh, MJF uh, kind of uh, guiding this storyline. What were you going to say in regards to uh, that? So... He said he was he was he was given creative freedom in, yeah. in what in what ways? Uh he kind of I guess penned the story on how it should go for all four guys. Okay. I could I could see that because remember we talked about it before where it was like he could have easily buried all three of these guys on the microphone in the lead up to this match, and he did not. He went very light on them and he made himself vulnerable to them. He did not when when this is all said and done, now that the match is over and the feud is over, it doesn't look like MJF just steamrolled these other three guys. It looked like he was concerned. He was worried. He was not uh, confident. And it looks like he managed to pull one out of his ass at the end of it, and he's lucky to still be champion. That's the way it looks to me as now that it's all said and done. So if he's one that pinned it, uh, I like the way it came off. I know there's a lot of people who shit on this feud and, and everything else. And I don't think that the way that these guys perform is going to change their mind. These guys already have it stuck in their heads either because they don't like AEW or they don't like small guys. Period. I don't think anyone ever debated that these guys would put, wouldn't put on a fantastic match. They just don't like smaller guys and you're never going to change their mind on that. But I, I personally, I think that they proved that, at some point, I don't think anybody thought right now that any of these other three were ready. But at some point, these three men will be ready to be world champion. If if you have any criticisms against what these four guys do, I, I may exclude MJF from that because if you think MJF's a bad wrestler, then you're just completely fucking irrelevant to me. No, um, if, if you downplay the ability of Darby and Sammy and Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. You're simply being a hater. You don't like AEW, and you're hating AEW because it either gets you views or clicks or 
you know, likes on Twitter. That there's no fucking way anybody could say that these guys, no matter their shape or size, you know, you call them vanilla midgets and whatnot. There's no way you can call them bad at their job. They are all great professional wrestlers. There's no fucking way you could sit there and tell me that they're a bad pro wrestler. You can't. Literally, they're they are literally elite. No pun intended. They are they are elite at their craft at pro wrestling right now. You know, and kudos to MJF because we've said this in the buildup to this feud. You know, he has legitimately brought out the best in Darby. He's brought out the best in Jungle Boy. And he's brought out the best in Sammy. And this is not Sammy and, and MJF's first go around either. They were, they were together before this. So MJF brought out the best in all three guys. They are at the best that they are now because of MJF. And MJF is so old school in how he approaches things. That was probably his mentality going into this if he is the guy behind the storyline and how all of this was produced. Because I see it, I see it like this, Jesse. You know, we always say, you know, when a championship match happens, you have to have a champion and a challenger. You, you got to have the champion look strong. You got to have the challenger look strong. You can't have the champion looking strong and the challenger looking weak. Yeah. This is something that I think MJF obviously knows. And he saw this as the most important thing in this storyline. You can't make these three guys look weak, though I'm the world champion and I'm here and these guys are here. No, it's not going to be that way. MJF went out there and wanted, to, even though he's the world champion, wanted to make everybody his his equal here. And mm-hmm. he figured, I can't make these guys look like losers. I have to somehow, in this storyline, make them all feel like winners and have them feel equal. Because if he beats them, wh- what is that going to accomplish? If MJF beats losers, MJF will accomplish nothing. If MJF beats his equal... MJF will have, have, has succeeded, and he is the true pillar of AEW because he beat three guys that are on his level. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I think the story here. The story here is MJF is confident that he could beat either one of these three guys individually, and he's but he's not so confident that he can beat them in a in a, in a fatal four way. So he's trying to outsmart and get his way to a win by bribery and just you know i'll scratch your back you scratch you, that was the build-up he's trying to find a way to to come out with a win because he doesn't think he could physically beat these other three men just by himself just straight up so that was the story that's the kind of heel mjf is he's the he's, he's the sniveling conniving a sneaky little heel so i think the story played out right into everyone's gimmick it did there was, I'm not going to go through all this. I'm going to take it where MJF actually took the microphone mid-match. Uh, there was a spot before he took the microphone where all of them were quadrupled down. They were all on the mat. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Jack Perry, they were all hitting moves done by their mentors. Scorpion Death Drop, Codebreaker, Kill Switch, which led to MJF hitting, you guessed it, the crossroads on Jack Perry for a two-count. And Excalibur mentioned Cody on commentary and mentioned that Cody was a mentor to MJF and went down that road and told a little bit of that storyline on how it molded MJF. I love that shit. You can't forget your history. So Mm -hmm. kudos to Excalibur and kudos for Tony Khan to allow that to be said on commentary because that was Vince. He wouldn't have allowed any of that to be said. Yeah, and that was never a thing. And 
AEW has no problem mentioning WWE talent by name. They, they no. I mean, they did it three or four times tonight. They mentioned Dominic tonight. Yep. I mean, they they don't they don't have a problem mentioning no. them by name. MJF then took the microphone and said, "Listen, I saw the cue cards. Guevara, you need the money." And then Sammy said, "All right, I'll lay down for you." MJF wanted Sammy to lay down for him, take the money, and steal a victory. So he goes to pin Sammy Guevara, and Sammy obviously tricked him and rolled him up with a fucking small package, and MJF barely kicked out of the two. That was a great spot. Popped the crowd. MJF blocked the go to hell, tried the salt of the earth. Guevara counted into the walls. Uh, Jungle Boy went to break it up. Darby sank in a scorpion death drop. MJF, uh, or scorpion death lock, rather. MJF was going to tap, so Jungle Boy stopped him. All four pillars now had submissions applied at the same time before MJF broke things up. This led to three Canadian destroyers in a row, and the last one came as Jungle Boy used Guevara and Allen's back to launch himself to hit a destroyer on MJF off of both Sammy and Darby Allen. Fucking beautiful. Jungle Boy then hit a Tiger Driver on Guevara. Allen launched Perry into the barricade, and he got a head start on the outside and tackled both of them over the barricade into the crowd. Excellent stuff. So Sammy cut off Darby, climbing the ropes, hit a Spanish fly onto MJF. Jungle Boy's on the floor, and crowd is chanting, holy shit, holy shit. Everyone's back inside. All four guys are just slugging it out with some chops and some forearms. So MJF poked everyone in the eye to take advantage. Guevara answered with a springboard cutter. Darby Allen hit a code red. Jungle Boy hit a charging forearm on MJF. All, tur- all took turns trying to get the pin on him. A crazy series of back and forth pins, man. Innovative pins. Everything was just crazy. It brought the crowd to their feet. This led to Guevara spiking Jungle Boy with an implant DDT. Allen hit another code red. He went for a coffin drop, but MJF crotched him. He had a perfect uh, power bomb at MJF off the top uh, as a tribute to Chris Candido. And Allen kicked out of the mega power bomb off the top rope. So Sammy connected with a cutter off the top on Jungle Boy. He rolled to the floor. MJF hit a low blow on Sammy. He starts to pull out the diamond ring. Puts it on his hand. Darby smacked MJF in the back with his skateboard and took him out with a coffin drop, which was fucking brutal. He then applied a side headlock. Jungle Boy broke it up barely. And without Jungle Boy interfering, Darby would have been the new world champion. Jungle Boy and Allen collided in the middle. They start brawling. MJF tried to hit Perry with the AW title. Guevara tackled MJF to the outside. Jungle Boy was holding the title. He was debating hitting Darby with it to win it all. Because MJF said in the promo, he doesn't have the balls to take the risk. He's too safe. And he threw the title down, Jesse. He did not want to use the title, even though it was legal to do so. He threw it down. So as a result, he got booed, and he nearly got rolled up. Guevara hit the GTH, and Darby is coming too. He was launched outside by Darby, and then he hit a coffin drop only for MJF to put the title on Jungle Boy. And when Darby came off to hit the coffin drop, he hit the title instead of Jungle Boy. And MJF rolled Darby Allen up with a side headlock for the one, two, three. What a fucking ending. MJF, man, outsmarting everybody. Took the title, put it on Jungle Boy's chest as Darby was coming off the top rope for the coffin drop. 
and he fucking cracked the back of Darby only to beat him with a side headlock and win the title or win the match and retain the title. Loved it. Excellent yeah. shit. Loved it, loved it, loved One it. One of the best four-way matches you'll see. What's next for all these guys? Sammy needs to be a baby face now. He is without Ty, so not sure exactly what he does. Uh, I think Jungle Boy needs to somehow uh, get connected with Anna J. Um, and not just in a, hey, hey, we're a happy couple. Now look at us. Um, I think someone needs to bring that side out of Jungle Boy. No, kind of in the way that they just did with Adam Cole with Britt Baker being attacked and put Jungle Boy in a situation where he wouldn't hit someone with the title when he had the chance. But because he's so outraged because someone's going after Anna J that he would actually go out and do something like that. Yeah, I think I think putting him with Anna J in the way would help bring out another side of Jungle Boy and help him get to the next level. Yeah, I, I, I listen, man. I'm a man of many words sometimes, but uh, I have no fucking clue where uh, where uh, any of them go. Even MJF. I mean, yeah. Where what does MJF do at Forbidden Door? Does he do anything at Forbidden Door? Does yeah. he go into a feud with Adam Cole? Is he next in line? I mean, who's next? Punk is looming. Punk is coming back. Do we do MJF and Punk? I have I have no fucking clue what any any four of these guys do. Yeah, I like Adam Cole in that spot. Maybe it is time for him to um, go ahead and go up and get his title run, a, a title shot at least. I mean, he's not winning either. Yeah. But um, I think they can take this from here to Forbidden Door. Yeah. I mean, they it's, probably a nice, it's a nice little stretch, but I think it can be done. So, But, man, see. I tell you, man, MJF, you know, being that we have gotten some of the best in-ring work all year from MJF anywhere, uh, it's just, I'd love to see him and what he could do, man, against one of the top guys in New Japan, bro. I, seriously, you know, working that style against someone like an Okada or Tanahashi or Naito or somebody like that. You know, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. It, it, it may be a little ridiculous because he's not losing the AEW title to a New Japan talent, but yeah. man, I'd love to see a fucking banger match with somebody from New Japan. Is it Sammy one-on-one? They started building because it now is, is MJF pissed because Sammy reneged on a deal. And they're going to go maybe, from there. Maybe. It's possible. Right, we'll see. So a, lot, uh, a lot to really uh, think about there as far as where all four of these guys go. But Fatal 4-Way, fucking tremendous. They shut a ton of people up tonight, and I love it. Blackpool Combat Club in the main event. John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta against the elite Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Adam Hangman Page, Anarchy in the arena. The Violent Idols, who I never heard heard of before tonight, sang Wild Thing on the stage, and this was met with some fucking controversy, Jesse. I don't know what the, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's... Listen. Where the fuck was Will Washington for this one? I, I don't even want... I don't even, I don't even <laughs> want to know. How did this get by fucking quality control? Um, Listen. I'd never heard of them before, okay? And maybe this is their gimmick. I have no fucking clue. I did Google during this match who the fucking Violent Isles were. Apparently, the lead singer wears a mask, like, you know, this white mask. He, I don't know, he hides his identity, hides his face, but it's a white mask. It's not like a slipknot-type mask, but he wears a mask. 
This guy came out wearing fucking blackface tonight, Jesse, with a little red fucking streak down his chin, but it was a black mask. It was a black mask, but his face was was sprayed black. And this was obviously going to cause a stir on social media, which it did, and people are now questioning AEW's motives here. How did this make it past quality control? How did Tony Khan allow this on TV? Listen, I don't want to make it into a bigger deal, but it was a very questionable decision, bro, to have him go out there like that. It was very uncomfortable. All right. Listen, I, I don't care if it was a ma- I saw people on Twitter like, oh, it was a mask. I don't give a shit. Yes. If it was a mask, people. Does not matter. It was a bad look. It was a very bad, bad look. It was a very bad look, a very questionable look. I don't know how uh they're gonna I don't know if anybody in the scrum asked him about that and that uh performance tonight, but I'll leave it as is, man. You guys can make your own assumptions on it. It did not look good. The match, they played wild thing, a wild thing three or four different times. Uh, a lot of people were kind of annoyed. I thought this was uh, great last year while they played it over the PA system. The live atmosphere, Jesse, with the song being played live, did not hit the same way that it did last year when it was playing over the PA system. I actually enjoyed this part of the of the anarchy better last year. Yeah, it seemed like people were enjoying it. They were having a good time with yeah. it, partying and dancing. Everybody's on their feet. I saw the reaction on Twitter. A lot of people saying, yeah, keep it going, keep it going. It seemed to be more positive than negative as far as the music continuously playing. So, obviously, this thing got started a little slow. I mean, it wasn't really slow, slow, but they kind of brawled in the ring. They bled into the crowd. The match eventually spilled up to the ramp where the Young Bucks laid out the singer of the Violent Idols. They super kicked him to stop the music. And the Bucks bulldove off the ramp onto, onto Claudio and Yuta. Back in the ring, Moxley and Omega were beating the shit out of each other. Were, were part of the announce table. By the way, the announcers were at ringside, like uh, WWE. And that yeah. was the first time since Fighter Fest 2019. Because Excalibur was asked by Tony Schiavone uh, when the last time they were at ringside was. Because they're usually on the stage. So the commentary, the commentary team was uh, in the line of fire tonight all night. So Fighter Fest. Fight. What did I say? Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest. Yes. Yeah. 2019. I said Fighter Fest. I know. Okay. All right, it's late. I don't. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> I thought I got it wrong, but that's nah, what he said. Nah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So they're out there. He's uh, using parts of the table. Matt Jackson hit a rolling northern light on Yuta. Yuta had a great showing tonight. For everybody that's saying Yuta should not be in the Blackpool Combat Club, fuck you. I think Yuta's great. Um. Yuta was on the ramp, and Nick leapt on both of Yuta and uh, Claudio on the ramp to the outside. So Yuta was powerbombed on the edge of the ring. Moxie was beaten up by Omega and Paige until Paige accidentally booted Omega in the face, and there's that little, uh, I can't trust you, should I be able to trust you type of storyline there. Claudio and Matt fought into the stands. Moxie launched Omega into a giant poker chip on the stage which was kind of a, a great callback to the first Double or Nothing. A poker chip filled with barbed wire a and poker glass chip somehow. <laughs> covered in <laughs> barbed wire <laughs> and glass. And Moxley hit a snap suplex on Omega onto the poker chip. Oh. On one side of the screen, Moxley was stabbing Omega with a fork, while the other side <laughs> of the stage, rather, Just stabbing with the it. fork. And on the other side of the stage, Claudio was doing a giant swing into the concessions area. <laughs> Um, Matt Jackson. So 
beating the shit. We got one side of the stage with fucking uh, fork being dug into Omega's head. And then somewhere else in the building, they're showing this on the big screen. Claudio's swinging somebody. Out by the hot dogs. Into the fucking trash can in the concessions area. Moxie had a sleeper on Omega. And he fell back onto the barbed wire. Nick and Paige were bleeding. And the Blackpool Combat Club were just fucking picking apart the elite at this point. Danielson somehow, I don't know where this came from, found a leaf blower and he brought it into the ring. Why is there a leaf blower in the T-Mobile arena? I don't know. Maybe maybe they use it to clean the the venue after the show is over. I don't fucking know. Um, Omega was wearing Captain America trunks and he started wielding a fucking trash can lid like he was uh, Captain America. I thought Link, I thought he was fucking maybe getting deep into uh, the new Zelda game, right? And uh, he's uh, fucking pretending that he's linked with the fucking Hylian shield. And he's out there fucking swinging the trash can lid. Claudio stopped him. Nick made a comeback. Moxley hit a big lariat. Pile driver on on Nick for a two count. Nick then locked on a Boston Crab and then a crossface on Moxley. And Yuta as well until Matt limped into the ring and he uh, was trying to help his brother out. Matt hit an exploding super kick. On John Moxley. That's right. You heard that right. He, Literally. He, he hit a super kick on Moxley and his leg exploded. His leg exploded. Bro, there was more explosives in this super kick than there were in the death match that Omega and Moxley had at Daly's place. I knew someone was going to go there. Seriously. Hey, at, least, at, least the, at least the pyro went right this time in the ring. So, thumbtacks got brought in. Matt had his shoe taken off. Thumbtacks are in the ring. Moxley brought thumbtacks in. He dropped Matt Jackson barefoot onto oh. thumbtacks, bro. Oh, God. I turned my head because the oh. thought of it and the side of it pained me. Oh. I can't even fucking imagine, bro. The bottom of, of Matt's sh- of foot was oh. legitimately stabbed with thumbtacks. Right in the heel part, too. In the right back. in the heel part, yes. Oh. The meaty, oh. the meaty part of his fucking foot, bro. Oh, man. So he's got tax in his foot. Castagnoli tried the Ricolo bomb on Omega. He floated through with a V-trigger. Danielson charged him with a Busaiko knee on both Omega and Page before the Blackpool Combat Club hit stereo anvil elbows. Matt had tax placed in his mouth. They legitimately put tax in this man's mouth, and Claudio uppercutted him, and he spit tax out all over the place. So Yuta oh. then hits a German suplex for a two-count on Matt. He kicks out. Omega and Paige, they get up. They realize that they're outnumbered, and they're together. They fought off all of the Blackpool Combat Club until Paige hit Danielson with a dead eye. Omega with a one-winged angel. Yuta made the save because Brian was dead to rights there. Omega and Paige hit rolling offense on Yuta, and Paige and Omega wanted double buck shots, but Don Callis handed Yuta a screwdriver, and Paige was nailed in the face with a screwdriver. Callis was about to get into the ring. He does... He is looking at Omega. He's teasing his fate here. Omega turned around when all of a sudden a masked man laid him out with a flying knee, and it was revealed to be Konosuke Takeshita. Yuta got a seatbelt, or a, a, I don't know where, it was a seatbelt or a belt around his waist. I don't know what the fuck it was. And he started choking Omega with it. And all of a sudden he gets the pin on Omega, one, two, three, and the Blackpool Combat Club win the anarchy in the arena. This was fucking crazy. This was the second 
bloodiest match that I've seen all weekend. This was crazy. I forgot to even mention Claudio was outside with, I believe it was Matt Jackson, and he pile drove Matt Jackson in the back of a pickup truck. Oh, I yeah. I forgot to right. put that in there. Yeah, there you this, go. Went, this went all over the place. So post match, Callis took off his belt, choked Omega with the Blackpool Combat Club and Takeshita standing tall as Claudio raised Yuta on his shoulders with Moxley, Danielson, and Takeshita all ending the show. Are they members of the Blackpool Combat Club? It certainly looks like it to me. Probably. They're probably making official on Wednesday. This was great but, shit. Uh, I watched I watched um, Steve Macklin versus PCO at Under Siege. And Steve Macklin bled by himself more than all, what, eight of these guys in the ring together tonight. Then he took a stapler and he stapled PCO's mouth shut like a fucking Frankenstein. He literally, because then PCO went and got some, got some pliers and pulled the stake. He stapled his mouth shut. You can see it shut. That's ridiculous. Pulled staples out with a fucking pair of pliers. That's ridiculous. I'm so, I, I, PCO is a fucking crazy son of a bitch, bro. Jesus. Dude. I forgot to also mention, Brian, during this match, he attacked um, the ring out, Justin Roberts. He, he pulled off his suit jacket, and Excalibur was like, oh, my God, Justin Roberts was getting flashbacks of P PTSD. Because, <laughs> because, because of the tie incident, because of uh, when, when Brian was in the Nexus, and the Nexus fucking destroyed Monday Night Raw and John Cena in the process, he ended up choking out Justin Roberts, which got him fired legitimately from the fired. company. <laughs> so good. So they, they did a throwback to that in this match. <laughs> Justin Roberts, oh, shit, no, not again. This was fucking great. Takesh's look at the end of the at the end of the show was was fucking. He looked directly right into the hard camera and said, "Yep, I'm that fucking guy, motherfucker. Give me some Cinnabon and let's do this thing." So he has the mannerisms. We haven't heard too much or seen too much, but I already like Takesh's mannerisms as a heel. I love it. Yeah, I mean, bro, Brian enlisting Takeshita. And him joining the Blackpool Combat Club, I think it's a great fit. Takeshita versus Omega, if that's a possibility down the line, the, 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 the matches that we could see come out of this. And then obviously, Kota Ibushi's being rumored to come on in. Blood and Guts five on five with Ibushi and the Golden Lovers reunited with the Elite and Hangman. I don't know, man. So good. We got some good shit coming up. Listen. For all of the crowd and the negativity that Las Vegas brought to the show with their lame fucking crowd, you know, at the end of the day, bro, it, it, it was a good show. It was a good show? It was a good show. <laughs> I don't know what people show. want. It was a good show. I'm not claiming it was the best ever. I'm not saying it was a barn burner. No. I'm saying it was a pay-per-view, and they worked their asses off, and I think we got good wrestling, man. I think we it did. was a we good did. show. We got a lot of good wrestling, and... You know, Tony Khan, I don't want to make excuses for him. Tony Khan's got his plate full. We got Forbidden Door coming up. We got the uh, Collision debut with CM Punk. I mean, he's got so many moving parts right now. If he skimped on this, I'm going to let it go. You know, I'm not going to really be too hard on it, even though the build could have been a lot better. I think he needs to start announcing, announcing matches well in advance. So maybe we don't have to f start giving away fucking four for one, five for one tickets for this show to fucking make it appear like a sellout. You know, AEW's better than that, but 
I thought yeah. what they did with Solid, the in-ring work was great. And I'm excited for Dynamite with the stories that we got coming out of both of these matches that closed the show tonight. Great stuff. Yes. Pay-per-view is supposed to leave you wanting to watch the next show to get more answers. Yes. And, and that's, that's what we got. That's exactly what we got. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for joining on this, uh, uh, us on this late Monday morning. I'm fucking dying over here. I can't breathe. I got fucking a uh, 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 hoarse voice. And Jesse, you are about to get out of here, I believe, right? You got uh, some personal matters to take care of? Yeah, man. I've got to dip out. I am not doing well myself either. So I thank you for having me. I thank the chat for showing up strong tonight, over 2K strong. That's fantastic. Um, long weekend of wrestling, man, all around. Yeah. So um, let's get back to normal this week. And guys, come check me out on Thursdays for the next Impact taping. There you go. And you'll see Jesse and I on Wednesday for Dynamite, man. The fallout from tonight's Double or Nothing. Love you guys. Peace. Take care, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get into the Super Chats in just a second. I want to thank you guys again for joining us. 2,500 plus tonight for the AW Double or Nothing post-show. We need 20 likes for 1,000, so please hit that thumbs up if you have not done so. And go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it for you to get consumed in. And I will be back at it tomorrow, as always, or today, rather, with some more videos for you on the channel. And I'll be live for Monday Night Raw. Let's get into some of these Super Chats. I want to thank... I want to thank Already Dead. I'm Already Dead for 500 in Super Chat tonight, man. He's got the bulk of the donations tonight. So thank you again, brother, for your unbelievable generosity. And let me fix this, guys. Let me get rid of this. Hold on one second. We're going to get rid of this. We're going to get rid of this. Uh, wait a minute. Let's see. We're going to put this back. We're going to move me over here. And we are going to get rid of this dynamite layout. And there you go. Now we're in the beer garden. There you go. Tyler. With a 199 Super Chat. The NXT and AW crowd switched. They fell asleep. I will watch NXT when I get to it. I'm very curious to see what Jack and Ilya Dragunov did. I heard it was a banger. Krauser. $2 Super Chat. How do you not have the pillars closed? Big yikes. Hopefully we uh, explain that tonight, Krauser. Can't have that match go on after the anarchy in the arena, seeing what they did to the fucking ringside area. Can't do it. Tony Khan made the right decision. Joseph Taylor with a two-dollar super chat, double or nothing, eight out of ten. The crowd sucked. Might be a little high, Joseph. I'd probably go about a seven. I'd probably do a seven. Tyler with a 199. Do we see Kota Ibushi on Wednesday? Maybe. Maybe. Do I think Ibushi will be on TV before Forbidden Door is the better question. Yes, I do. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. The last two matches were the only things worth watching, but TK messed up. Not having the pillows close the show instead, it seems disrespectful to them. Nope. Tony Khan made the right decision. 
And Sato Fortune with 11 months. Thank you, brother. It's harder to enjoy Mox matches with the constant non-selling. His face exploded and got right back up the next minute. Let it breathe. Keep on rocking, guys. Moxie's going to do what Moxie's got to do, bro. I'm not really concerned about it. I thought it was a great match. Michael McGee with a 499. Absolutely love Double or Nothing. 8.5 out of 10 with Konosuke joining the Blackpool Combat Club. Who do you think the elite in a possible Blood and Guts match? CM Punk. Kota Ibushi, Michael. The Jay Kaleb Show with a $5 Super Chat. A lot of people still say Yuta doesn't fit any. Look great tonight. Yuta is absolutely Blackpool Combat Club worthy. Fuck them. Jerry Ramey with 24 months. Golden microphone, brother. I just realized I got the golden mic. Acknowledge me, JD. Love you, man. Thank you, Jerry. I see that golden microphone, bro. Congratulations. Awesomeville with a 199. Can I get a Jinder Mahal? Let's say jingle my balls. No. It's going to take more than 199 for me to say jingle my balls, brother. You ain't getting me with that shit. It's too late. Awesomeville also with a 499. Also, are you excited for Spider-Man 2? Yes, I am. I also want to recommend you a game series called Yazuka. Like a dragon. It's awesome. Story that spans seven games. Bro, I don't have time to play seven games. I'm on Destiny 2 and I'm struggling to keep up with Destiny 2 at these times. Road Warrior Roderick with a $10 super chat. This was a mid-show at best, overbooked and overproduced in the wrong way. Orange Cassidy winning again is more ridiculous than Roman Reigns. Remaining champion for the next five years, I'm disappointed. I'm sorry you feel that way, bro. I thought it was a 7 out of 10. I thought it was a very good show. Man of a thousand and five holds. 20 months, good pay-per-view. Platinum Max with his platinum bars. The Fatal 4-Way and the Anarchy match were bangers. And in Vegas, the house always wins. Cake with a $5 super chat. BCC bringing in Takeshita is a great thing. Hopefully they bring in Shooter so they can have Yuta, Takeshita, and Shooter running-ish in AEW. Justin with a 499. Very good show. I absolutely agree with you guys. Also, happy Memorial Day and Celtics in seven. I'm going with the Celtics, the Celtics as well, brother. Celtics in seven. Breeze World with a $10 super chat. Don't know how people are calling the show bad. Warlow and Christian work. Battle Royal was fine despite the ending. Only two good matches. Don't know what these people are smoking tonight. It's a quality show tonight, Bree. It wasn't the best that AEW was capable of, but a quality show nonetheless. MGM balling with a 999 Super Chat. I enjoyed the show overall, but mainly because of the last two matches. The first half of the show did not hit like a typical AEW pay-per-view. I agree there. And felt sloppy and botchy to me. Still got my money's worth. Yes. Yes. They're not all going to be fucking 
10 out of 10 pay-per-views, man. Tony Khan always delivers on pay-per-view in some way or another. He does. Dom Wapo with a 499. JD Jesse, best show of the weekend. For me, it was Night of Champions. Not that I didn't enjoy Double or Nothing. I enjoyed Double or Nothing more than I did Night of Champions. But obviously, the storyline of the weekend goes to the bloodline. The moment of the weekend goes to the bloodline. Shadow Moss with a $5 Super Chat. What do you guys think of the AW5 Forever gameplay? I, I am hyped for it. I can't wait. I can't wait for it either. I'm excited. I think it looks great. Captain Solo. $5 Super Chat. Jordan Grace will never make it to WWE because I doubt she can pass a drug test. She's definitely juicing. We don't know that for sure, bro, but uh, it certainly looks like it. The script keeper with a $10 super chat. Come on, JD. Jesse's a great bartender and he deserves a share of the wealth. Love you, Jesse. I'll pass the message along, script keeper. I'm dead already, or I'm already dead. Thank you so much again, brother, for all your uh, generosity tonight. Thank you for being here, man. Bradley Robinette with a 199. MJF injured and a fan at Double or Nothing watched NXT. MJF is not injured, is he? MJF is not injured. I don't think so. Johnny with a $2 Super Chat. JD, you the best. Thank you, Johnny. Cake. $2 Super Chat. The cat turned on JD. Yeah, my cat wants to eat, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck her problem is. Now she's sleeping. Awesomeville with 199. Why is Jesse pulling the mic wire again? No, that was just me muting myself. Twisted with a 15 months. Man, those four pillars are just fucking money. Jack Perry needs to turn heel and lose the Jungle Boy gimmick. Love your reviews, guys. Thanks, JD and Jesse. Thank you, brother. Thank you for being here, man. Theme parks and things with Johnny. Seven months. Hope all you guys had a great weekend. JD and Jesse, keep up the great work. Thank you, brother. 22 months, my guy James. Oh, yeah, we're almost there. Hello to all my OTS family. Jerry, keep killing it. Thank you, buddy. Antonio Palato with 13 months. In my opinion, Adam Cole should be the one to beat MJF for the world title. Also, in my opinion, MJF could face Eddie Kingston and maybe give Sting his first and only L in AEW. I think an Eddie Kingston and MJF feud would be money. I would be totally behind Sting getting his retirement against MJF. Adam Cole... I don't think Adam Cole's the one to take the title off of MJF. And M. James 2000 with a $5.50 super chat. Missed the pay-per-view due to other matters I had to attend to. Is this worth the replay buy in your opinion? Also, Fatal 4-Way didn't main event. Uh, James, I think it's worth the money. But your opinion on that obviously is different from mine. It's up to you if you want to spend the money, if you have the money to spend. Uh, and the main event was the Anarchy in the Arena simply because 
Tony Khan knew everybody was going to be destroying the ringside area, and there's no way he could have a world title match following the Anarchy in the Arena match if they were going to cause that much chaos. So I think he made the right decision. Guys, I hope that you enjoyed the review. I hope that you got a lot out of it. It's late. It's 3 a.m. here on the East Coast, and I'm fucking tired, man. I'm about to get the fuck out of here. I appreciate you guys joining me on the podcast tonight. Next time you see me, we'll be in the sub boxes. Monday, we'll have something for you. Monday night, we'll be live from Monday Night Raw. Fallout from the Night of Champions. Should be fun. Should be good. Hopefully, I'll feel a little bit better. Anyway, guys, thank you for joining me on the show tonight. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the super chats. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other shit in the con- in the uh, on the channel on the homepage. You guys know the deal. And I will see you all right back here on Off The Script for the Monday Night Raw post show right here from the OTS Beer Garden Monday night after Raw. I'll see you guys later. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.